Hello, and welcome to something new and something really, really cool. So as some of you know, we went to Gen Con just a little while ago, and we found somebody who had a game that was about to be Kickstartered. And we were like, hey, do you want to run a game for us while you're in your Kickstarter? And this guy was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. So we reached out to our new friend here and said, hey, can you run us through this game? And we set it all up and it looks like a super, super fun game. Oh, yeah. But I am going to go ahead and let him explain how this works. Uh, Tristan, you want to introduce yourself and your game, please? Sure. Hi, uh, I'm Tristan Zimmerman. He, him pronouns. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, if you know me, uh, it is likeliest that you know me from uh, my weekly gaming blog, The Molten Sulphur Blog, which has been nominated for any awards twice, um, where I take cool stuff from real history and folklore, file the serial numbers off of it, and, and show you how to drop it into your ongoing campaign so that it is cool content for your campaign tonight. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about Shanty Hunters and not just to talk about it, but to run an awesome one shot. And I could not be more excited. Yes. So can you tell us just a tiny bit about Shanty Hunters before we get started? Yes. So Shanty Hunters is a tabletop role playing game about collecting magical sea shanties in the year 1880. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's not going to talk about it too much, um, <laughs> but it is a super cool, super simple game. Like we have we have to mention that we decided to make our own characters for it. He gave us some pregens. We're like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll do that. But we, did, we ended up making our own characters because it was so quick and easy, which is one of the things. It is the easiest character creation I have ever done. Yeah, for, for all, all of our, our one shots. shots. Like it was easiest so <laughs> easy. Like the only is... game we've played that comes even yeah. close to how easy this one is Monster of the Week, which is the normal game that we play. So if you're new here, yeah. hello, just in case we get anyone who doesn't know who we are. We are oh, yeah. the folks behind yeah. the show Thornvale, which is the stream you will be finding this on. So if you if we sound fun, we have a buttload of uh, other one shots in different systems that you can go listen to. They're kind of interspersed between the Thornvale episodes. So go check those out or go check out the main show. It is over 100 episodes long. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's us. We've talked to Tristan. We know who he is. We know what his game is. I think we're going to go ahead and get into it because this is going to be a lot of fun. Go ahead. Oh, did you want to ask about when the Kickstarter is going live and things like that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah let, me, <laughs> let me do that first. Before we get started, first of all, I want to invite everyone to come join us over on the Cast Junkie server. That's our Discord server. It's awesome. You can come talk about this with us and uh, I can give Tristan a little invite if he wants one too. But uh, yeah, we are going to be over there chatting about this after this one shot goes live. And I also want to ask Tristan when your Kickstarter is going to end, because this is going to drop right in the middle of it. So go ahead and tell us when that goes. The Kickstarter for Shanty Hunters will end on Thursday, December 2nd. Uh, So if you are hearing this before Thursday, December 2nd, and you think Shanty Hunters sounds cool, head on over to Kickstarter, just type in shanty hunters into the search bar fingers crossed there'll be some sort of link in the show notes maybe that would be cool and uh oh, yeah. <laughs> and and check it out yes. absolutely yeah so this will be coming out on november 15th so it'll be right in the middle <laughs> which is actually my birthday in real life Ooh, yeah. happy birthday in advance <laughs> oh, wow. it'll Whoa, be my birthday nice. when this comes mm-hmm. out happy birthday in preemptive <laughs> congrats <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll be a party in yes. more ways than one so yeah so that, with that said, I think we're going to go ahead and get started. So anyone who is listening can decide, hey, does this game sound cool? Well, we're about to find out. So 
Tristan, if you want to go ahead and take it away. So in Shanty Hunters, you will be playing people who are unhealthily obsessed with <laughs> documenting sea shanties. You see, the year is 1880. Yes. And the age of commercial sail is coming to a close, uh, with new steam technologies getting ever more reliable and ever cheaper with every passing year. Sail is, is dying, right? There are still lots and lots and lots and lots of commercial sailing ships uh, carrying cargo. Every port in 1880 is still a forest of masts, but the writing's on the wall and everyone can tell. Sea shanties, are maritime work songs. Uh, they're songs that sailors sing to keep in time with one another as they, they haul on lines or, or tramp a, a capstan round. And they are pretty much exclusive to the commercial sailing trade. When commercial sail dies, shanties will die with it. And you play as characters who desperately want to document these shanties before that happens. There is a problem though. And that problem is uh, that these shanties uh, don't seem to like falling into the hands of landlubbers. And every time you document a shanty you've never documented before, it comes alive. And the, 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 the events and the imagery in the lyrics begin to take place uh, aboard the ship that you're sailing on, which is often really bad, like really dangerous. <laughs> um, you know, imperiling the, the ships that you sail aboard and the crews you sail with and oh, and it's all your fault, right? Because you're the ones who document these shanties <laughs> and you know what you're doing because you've done this more than once. And in fact, your characters have all sailed together in the past and you know all of this. And yet you continue to document them, which is why I opened with you are unhealthily obsessed because any reasonable person at this point would have said, no, man, this is not worth it. I almost died last time. I almost killed 50 people last time. No way, I'm not doing it anymore. But you guys keep doing it. And that's what lies at the heart of your characters. I'm going to explain the rules real quick. You all have your, your little character sheets in front of you. You, you will note that each character has a drive. That is the source of your obsession. That is the reason why you keep doing what you are doing. You also have uh, a profession. In the year 1880, most jobs don't just let you disappear for six or eight months to go sailing aboard ships and documenting sea shanties. <laughs> so you necessarily have something of an unusual way of earning your livelihood. You also have some skills. Uh, there are eight skills in the game. You have five points allotted among those eight skills. There will come times when I will ask you to roll a skill. You will be attempting something. It will not be clear whether the thing you attempt will succeed. And I'll say, hey, go ahead and roll me seamanship. And you will roll one six-sided die and add the relevant stat modifier to it. So if you have one point in seamanship, it'll be 1d6 plus one. You are usually trying to go for a four, uh, which you will note means that even if you have no points in a skill, you still have a 50-50 shot at success. Zero points in a skill does not mean you are incompetent in it. However, there may come a time when I say, hey, go ahead and roll me athletics. And you say, oh geez, it's actually really important to me that I not fail this role. I have to succeed at this. In that case, if you have any points in athletics, you can draw a tick mark on your character sheet beside athletics. 
If you do that, you succeed on the roll automatically. However, you cannot have more tick marks beside a skill than you have points in that skill. So if you have no points in athletics, you cannot do this. It's not an option. Sometimes you may roll a skill and be told, oh, I'm sorry, you failed. Let's look at what the consequences are and realize in that moment, oh no, failure was not an option. Why <laughs> did I not draw a tick mark? Well, you can retroactively pull the fat from the fire, but you got to check two tick marks to do it. Ah. Ooh. Okay. One of them, yeah. One of them has to be beside the relevant skill. Uh, the other can be beside any other skill that has slots open for a tick mark. But if it's if you tick beside another skill, I will then ask you uh, to explain how you used this other skill to save your bacon at the very last moment. Ah. <laughs> All right, cool. I like that. You can erase tick marks when you role play out your drive and or your profession. So when you make a decision that someone who did not have your drive or did not have your profession would not have made, go ahead and erase a tick mark. You don't have to ask permission. You don't have to tell me. You can just go ahead and do it, right? We're all friends here. If you're gaming with people you don't trust, like, don't game with those people. I'll just throw that out there for you. <laughs> Sage advice. Accurate. <laughs> Note that documenting a shanty, right? We will do a shanty and I'll ask, hey, who documents it? Documenting a shanty always counts for erasing a tick mark because it is definitionally the sort of thing that someone who did not have your drive would not have done because <laughs> it is clearly a bad call. Yes. <laughs> Those are the rules uh, that are, are relevant right now. Should other rules come up, we'll discuss them then. Does anybody have any questions about the rules before we begin? Now that seems remarkably simple. <laughs> yes. I don't have any questions. I just have two comments. First of all, Keeping in mind what you said about the, the things in the song coming to life, I'm looking at our shanty now and panicking <laughs> Ooh, a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> Second, you said that we'd have a 50-50 chance, even with a zero. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's have not really true for Hannah. I have really bad luck, so mm. I don't know if that is accurate. <laughs> Hannah is our resident rolls like crap player. <laughs> I just I just needed to put that out there. The the odds are not that simple for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is true. Although I don't roll very often, so we'll find that out how I do. Comments. But I usually do okay. So uh, why don't we go around the table, starting with uh, Wesley, and introduce our characters. Yes. All right. Uh, I will be playing my original character, uh, Mr. Leo Clark. He is... Um, well, uh, he, I think he might, I don't know how the story's gonna go, but I have a feeling he might be sort of the old mentor type because uh, his profession is actually a mate. He has been a career sailor for most of his life, actually. And according to the book, I believe uh, my profession reports directly to the captain of this ship. So I'm pretty up there. And I are we get are we getting into more backstory here or just snapshots? Uh, hey, you tell me. Uh, okay. Uh, for right now, I'm just gonna say um, his uh, his drive. The reason why he does this is uh, is kinship. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what exactly the kinship is at the moment because hopefully I will come across a moment in story when that can be revealed because that would be really awesome. But yes, I will. Uh, uh, I'm sort of the the old the older character who's been around uh, who's been around a while. 
he's a really kind-hearted character. He's not mean-spirited at all. He he'd be the first person to 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 sit and listen to you when you have a problem or raise the toast at a party or a very good example actually the one I used in my notes here uh anybody who's seen avatar think uh think uncle iroh's character okay you've got oh, a good idea of my guy <laughs> now an important uh, one one quick note uh leo is the second mate uh, aboard mm. this ship uh, we will meet the first mate uh, here uh, pretty pretty soon into the okay. adventure. Oh. Uh, okay, the first cool. mate outranks the second mate, so there are two people aboard the ship who okay. outrank Okay, here. all right. Very high mm. up. Um, so all that said, uh, let's look around to uh, to Andrew. Why don't you introduce a character? We'll do a uh, really quick. Wesley, did you want to go over your skills or in your nationality, or did you not? Oh, um, actually, um, I didn't do that. I probably should include that, shouldn't I? Yeah, my uh, my nationality, of course. Um, he he grew up he grew up on the dockside in London, so he's um, he's British, but he's not you know high society educated British. He's you know he's working class English. <laughs> uh, and then my uh, my stats here um, actually um, athletics is a two. He's uh, he's been around a while. He knows how things work. Uh, his kindness is a one. Uh, seamanship is a two because my class gives me an extra point to use in seamanship, so I gave that a two. And then my last one is, uh, sensing trouble is a one. So, pretty well-rounded, although there are some that, of course, he has zero in. We'll see how that works. So, I will be playing a character named Michael Oscar Victor, and, uh, he goes by Mike. Um, some astute <laughs> listeners might pick up on something about that name, which might become readily apparent yeah. as I explain what I am. So... My character's profession is spy. So the uh, the book for spy says the following. So spy, you work for the U.S. Secret Service, Her Majesty's government, the Pinkertons, or some other powerful organization that traffics in secret knowledge. You pose as a simple passenger bouncing from port to port. You may be collecting clandestine information about trade, infrastructure, and the military defenses of these ports. Or your work as a spy might itself be a cover, and collecting information about shanties and sea magic is not a mere hobby, but your employ employer's true purpose. So, yeah, my character is a spy for a secret government organization based out of the Smithsonian in America. Um, my employer is actually kind of in the know about this magical sea shanty business, and that kind of ties into my drive. My drive is Secret Master. And uh, Secret Master says, Whatever the villain of your campaign, they have rivals at sea, on land, and in the sky. You serve one of these beings. By funneling knowledge of these villains' shanties to your master, you strengthen your master's position in its endless rivalry with the villain. So, whoever runs my organization knows about these shanties, and I'm being sent out to try and document them as a way for the organization to gain power over whoever is kind of creating or causing the magic for these things. Is that all sound right so far, uh, Tristan? Yeah, sounds great. So yeah, I am a secret agent. Um, people who are fans of Thornvale will probably get a <laughs> kick out of that knowing my character. Um, something funny <laughs> I just wanted to note out that we've realized as we were making characters is that my character in Thornvale, Bjorn, works for the government as a secret agent in a group called Hunter as an acronym. And this is Shanty Hunters, so I thought that was really funny. I'm going to leave it up to interpretation. It probably won't come out in this one shot, but I kind of like the idea that maybe this is like a pseudo early hunter or something. Who knows? Because we're talking about, 
you know, a secret government agency dealing with uh, the supernatural. So doesn't have to necessarily be the case, but I kind of like it. So anyways, uh, Michael is um, the spy with the secret master drive. He is American. His stats are kind of one, occult two, sense trouble one, and stealth one. So I figured as a secret agent who's trying to pretend to be a passenger, there might be times where he has to kind of you know, go below decks or places he's not supposed to be and sneak around and look into things. He has to be able to spot trouble on the horizon. I figured Occult was his biggest one, though, because he knows that the supernatural is going on. And uh, Kind was kind of my way of, like, you know, he's good at trying to fit into the situation and, you know, act like he belongs as a uh, as a spy. So that was, my, uh, that was my feel for him. And now seems as good a time as any for me to mention. Uh, the adventure we're going to be playing through tonight uh, is the one in the back of the book, right? Any any good role-playing game has an adventure in the back of the book to get you started. Uh, however, because uh, all these fine folks uh, decided to roll up their own characters, uh, of course, you can run this adventure with, with any characters. That's the point of the generic starter adventure. But I decided, hey, what the heck? Like, let's go ahead and, and change the adventure uh, to better fit them. Um, and Andrew announced that he wanted to play a character with the secret master drive and that that kind of implies a villain. Uh, this adventure does not have a villain by default. Uh, villains, long-term, like, recurring villains are strongly encouraged for campaign play. For one-shots, I will often omit them. But one of the changes to this sample adventure is now, heck yeah, there's a villain in it because uh, because that's <laughs> that's there to fit the characters. So. And I really love how easy it was to just be like, hey, like, last minute, hey, Tristan, is it okay if I have a, a villain? You're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Like, I, I love that that was, like, easily done with the system. I think that was cool. So so all that said, uh, let's slide on over to Hannah. All right. So I'm going to be playing William John Westover Jr. Uh, <laughs> he goes by John, just John, because of family reasons. <laughs> uh, my profession is I'm not going to pronounce the second word correctly, but the first one is eccentric. Uh, does someone want to help me with the second word? Dilettante, <laughs> I believe, um, is the word. Yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, basically, I am the youngest of, was it, like 10 boys or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I'm the embarrassment of the family because I like to party and get drunk. And so they basically pay me to stay away and not be an embarrassment <laughs> to the family because my dad is like a uh, high-ranking... Uh, officer in the British army, you know, like, so they just pay me to stay at sea and away from the family. <laughs> uh, and I feel called to the sea for some reason, uh, because my drive is kinship. Uh, I haven't exactly defined, you know, what that kinship is, but he just feels called to the sea, which is why he decides to use this money he's given uh, to stay away, to stay at sea. But yeah, I am British as far as uh, abilities go, my class is two, sense trouble is two, and then kind is one. Uh, I kind of thought like growing up in like a socialite uh, kind of society thing, he would always be on the lookout for like reading social cues and things like that, which is why his uh, sense trouble is like two and his class is two. And he's also kind because he kind of 
changes himself to fit into whatever situation he needs to. Hannah is playing Sea Chad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. And uh, Susanna, why don't you round us out? Yep. Alrighty. Uh, so I am playing a young lad, a 15 year old boy named James Allen Evans. <laughs> Some of you might be sensing something there. I am a plucky short little fellow who is fleeing from an abusive stepmother that my character's father just chose to remarry and that I don't like. So I'm just like, well, I'm going to go find something else to do now. So I've always <laughs> loved the sea. So I, I after I ran away for a little while and, and spent some time in other places, I finally found my way aboard a ship. And now I, I live there now. And I am I'm the go-to person that's... You know, I'm, I'm the go-get-my-coffee kid, you know? <laughs> um, swap the deck, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, my profession the is... intern. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the sea <laughs> intern. Uh, my profession is polywog. <laughs> That's basically like, this is my first time adventuring out here. Obviously, I've, I've been here for a little while, but I haven't gone very far before, so that's exciting. My drive is curiosity. I just, I want to know stuff. Mm. Um, my nationality is English. My, I have athletics two, kind one, and stealth two. I'm good at sneaking around because mm. I'm small and <laughs> stealthy. I'm like a hobbit. <laughs> and uh, one thing I will note about the character of James is uh, because he is so sneaky, after he ran away from home, but before he found work aboard a ship, uh, he spent some days uh, secretly living in the British Museum yes. amid the collection uh, without That's being awesome. caught. So. I have spent some time uh, among the uh, the exhibits and the, the books and such. Cool. Interesting. I'm a, I'm a sneaky, curious boy. I'm sneaky I'm just boy. I'm just going to call this right now. We all made in originals, but they're all going to fit together so terribly well, because that's historically what happens. <laughs> that's just what we do. That's usually what happens, yeah. <laughs> and uh, before we get started, I will actually make one final note. Uh, I understand that this is the first time uh, that this group uh, has played all male characters. It is. Uh, yes. It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think that's ever happened yeah. before. I don't think we've ever played all dudes before. This is the first time I've played a dude. Yeah. So. I have before once, but uh, I don't think we've, we've ever played just all dudes before. Yeah. This is yeah. funny. I was just thinking of that We're a couple of minutes guys. ago. I was like, have we? No, no. I don't think so. Usually nope. at least a girl. No. Mm -hmm. For the record, uh, the, the Shanty Hunters, some folks might look at Shanty Hunters and be like, well, you got to play sailors or scholars, so it's dudes here. The game does go out of its way to, to encourage and support uh, female characters. Uh, and uh, for the, the six pregens that come in the book, it's it's 50-50. But I, I felt the need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. For some yeah. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. important. No, yes. I was really close to picking Sea Witch just because I love that so yeah, much. Yeah, I was too, like, actually. That's, but that's like always the kind of character I yeah. play. So I wanted to try something different. Mm. I wanted to play a character with like just some kind of decent charisma. Because I always play characters that are absolute assholes. <laughs> I, yeah. I toyed with the idea of making my spy a woman, but I don't think I could do a character voice justice because I'm a little bit weak in the character voice department. So <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be weird. So I was like, okay, I'll just stick with what I know. That's so, yeah, so. all right. Yeah, I did like that. You know, the it was hard for me to choose between you know being a man or a woman. Like it was obvious you could be either one. It didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You could tell it was very incorporated, like, either Yeah, way. there's good stuff in the book that says, like, hey, you can be whatever you want. Just because this is happening in yes. the 1800s doesn't mean you can't be whatever you want. Yeah. 
All right. So does anybody have anything else they would like to add before we get underway? No, I'm stoked. I like that. Get underway. I don't think so. Get underway. Awesome. Hey, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. A fair warning. I am the only one <laughs> of the group with any actual sailing experience. I have the small boat sailing activity badge. Thank you very much from Scouts. So. I was a sea scout. <laughs> for a while. You have way more experience than I do. We did one episode where there was involving uh, one arc that involved a lot of boats, and I was oh like throwing around terms, and they were like, "What are you talking about?" Like, yeah, yeah, we didn't know, we didn't get it. <laughs> it was funny. I suppose I, I already know the the answer to this question, but I will ask anyway. Uh, is anyone in real life a trusty shellback, meaning you have crossed the equator at sea? Oh, in a plane, maybe. Yeah, not at not sea. Not at no. sea. Nope. nope. I'm not a trusty shellback. Nope. I don't think so. I have yet All to of my sailing run is in the, the Chesapeake game. Bay. I myself uh, got to do some sailing in the Chesapeake Bay uh, when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. But uh, someday, someday I will ask that question and someone will say, why, yes, actually I am. Yeah. And they yeah. will get an automatic bonus point in seamanship, but it is no, not. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about adding points in seamanship, but I'm like, my guy's a little is guy. He Miami. <laughs> so... You all are playing passengers and crew, two passengers, two crew, uh, aboard the full-rigged ship Continental. Uh, the Continental will soon depart the port of Charleston, South Carolina, bound for San Francisco around Cape Horn, carrying a cargo uh, of household goods like furniture and lamps and whetstones and cloth and whatever. For for all, all four of you are up on deck aboard the Continental uh, as she sits in port in Charleston. The the two passengers are taking in some air before before the ship gets underway. Uh, the two sailors are on duty, you're, you're on watch, though fortunately there is not much work to do. And you're all on deck when a passenger arrives, a bookish looking woman in fine clothes. She's riding in a cart with a big sea chest. The chest is in a ship's net uh, to make it easier to bring aboard by crane. The cart horse is led by the ship's second mate, a big Hawaiian, uh, excuse me, uh, a big Fijian man. This is one of the changes I had to make to, to fit the characters. Oh. <laughs> the, the the ship's first mate uh, is a big Fijian man who is, he, he, he's leading the, the, the cart horse and he goes by Jim. Now, to all of you except uh, Leo, the second mate, Jim is Mr. Jim. Uh. Usually mates go by by Mr. Surname. Jim is not his real name. He's Fijian, uh, but as is common <laughs> uh, for folks uh. of non-Anglo backgrounds in the sailing trade, he has adopted an Anglo name. It just doesn't have a surname. So for everyone except Leo, he's Mr. Jim. For Leo, of course, <laughs> he is uh, a, a something of a peer. So Mr. Jim, he's, he's leading the, the cart horse and the cart horse is pulling a cart and there's a, a net in the cart and in the net there's a big sea chest and, and there's, there's a, a passenger walking alongside Mr. Jim. And Mr. Jim smiles and waves up at you as, as he approaches. Ahoy the Continental! Would you gentlemen mind getting the crane set up? And then, uh, yeah, then I think, uh, I think Leo is the first to, uh, he, he responds to wave. It's like, all right. Hi, sir. You got it. And he'll uh, he'll start moving around to get it set. However, that works, which I don't know, so I won't talk it. <laughs> <laughs> so it is pretty easy to get a crane set up 
aboard a, uh, a full rigged ship. Uh, simply because there's all these spars and ropes and pulleys overhead, right? Like you're in the best possible environment to quickly rig up a crane. Uh, and so you're just able to, to run a line down to the net, run it through the rigging, run it down to the capstan, which is the, the big device that you slowly turn uh, in order to, to do heavy jobs. And uh, while, while you are, are getting this set up, and would it be safe to assume that James, our polywog, uh, is also assisting you with this? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm right behind like, oh, you need more help, sir? Oh, young James, yeah, give me a hand here, huh? Right r- away. Yeah, and he's, uh, I'm guessing that James has been here long enough to, to understand, but he, but Leo's watching him very closely be like, okay, if he actually wants to do this, okay, let me make sure he doesn't fall, break his, break anything, including himself, you know, he's watching him. <laughs> and yeah, they'll get it rigged up and ready to shift on board. All right. Uh, and, and James, you perform capably, perhaps not admirably. You are still very young and, and green, but, but certainly, small. Uh, certainly capably. And, uh, the, uh, the passenger comes aboard while all this is, is going on, and she walks right up to, um, what does Mike look like? You know what? I probably, yeah, I, I didn't, uh, A I large didn't write Scandinavian man as every other character you ever played? That's not true. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, of Irish descent, I think. So I'm going to okay. be, uh, a mutton chopped redhead. Ah, okay. I like that. I am still kind of a stocky guy, but uh, not not a, like a super. T- I'm just gonna be regular height, um, pretty regular build, uh, redheaded with mutton chops. I've got a All friendly right. demeanor. Uh, that is good to know uh, because that means that John looks much fancier than you. Uh, John has <laughs> class two. I didn't I didn't hear anything about nice clothes uh, in that description, so I'm gonna nope. guess you know fairly ordinary clothes. Yeah. Yep. So John. Uh, is the fancy one uh, up on deck. Yes, I am. Coming from his fancy family. <laughs> and the the passenger, she walks right up to you, John, uh, sticks out her hand and says, Barbara Ewing, philologist. Pa- pardon me? Uh, do you do you shake her hand? First question. Uh, yeah, yes. She, he will reach out and shake her hand. And then he, he just says, like, excuse me, pardon me? You were a what? A philologist, a uh, a scholar of of texts and language use. Oh, interesting. I'm John, John Westover. It is a pleasure to meet you, John. Uh, have you uh, have you sailed with the Continental before? I, have I sailed with the Continental before? Right, I have. You tell me. Oh, I, I had one, you know, one before. Fair enough. And and she will then proceed to to make small talk with you. As long as as you care to small talk, I'm not going to role play it out. Yeah. <laughs> Important question, Mike. Uh, since you are not currently working, uh, do you attempt to join the conversation, or are you comfortably aloof? I think uh, the second one is definitely true. So Mike would be comfortably aloof. His whole deal is trying to fly under the radar for what he's really doing here. So I think that he's just kind of you know up on deck, kind of observing, trying to take in these these people these other passengers and who they are because he probably knows a good deal of the crew definitely um hold on can I, everyone remind me of character names again sorry james james john? is the polywog john is the rich bougie, bougie guy. guy and then <laughs> leo um what was your character leo was your character okay cool so yeah he he probably knows ja- yeah he of course he knows james and leo from the crew but uh 
yeah, the, the other passengers, I think he would try to figure out their deal first. So yeah, Luf makes sense. And remember, all four of you have in fact traveled together before yes, and documented yep. shanties together. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. just maybe yeah. not on this specific ship. Yeah, so like he knows he knows yeah. um, John. Like he he's worked with John before, so he's just gonna kind of let John uh, okay figure out who this lady is. Do the socializing. <laughs> Do the socializing as one does. So uh, while this small talk is happening and Mike is observing it. The, the, the crane is set up, and the sailors who are on watch uh, move to the capstan. Uh, you have seen one in movies, I promise you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, noble noble listener. It is <laughs> Think of it as, as a barrel set up on the deck uh, with a bunch of spikes sticking out of it. And you hold on to the spikes. Technically, they're called hand spikes. And you just walk forward. And this pushes the barrel around and exerts considerable, you know, Torque and mechanical advantage and all those good physics words <laughs> uh, to permit uh, hard jobs. Uh, the, the anchor capstan is the best known capstan aboard the ship, which raises uh, raises the anchor. Hmm. So you're tramping the capstan round uh, in order to lift this sea chest uh, up out of the cart in this this net that it's in, and it's not lifting. And as you continue to tramp the capstan round. The Continental slowly begins to heel over at the dock. That is to say, the line is still getting shorter, right? Like, that's the point of tramping the capstan round. But instead of the chest moving, the Continental is moving. Man. Is is tilting ever so slightly. What do you guys do? Um, Mr. Leo, I don't think this is supposed to happen. Hi. There's something, there's something off going on here. Don't. We gotta hold it. We gotta check. And he's look—he's looking around to see, uh, to see what what is causing this heel over because he's—he's he's done this enough times. He knows that's very not what's supposed to happen. What does he see? Does he see any indication? So the first thing you see uh, is Mr. Jim. Uh, he comes up from the hold. Uh, he has clearly noticed that the ship is heeling over uh, ever so slightly. <laughs> That's—it's a sea legs thing. Believe me, you can tell. <laughs> yep audience for 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 context i am a trusty shellback um ah. i i i have my sea time <laughs> and he he kind of looks at the cart and the chest in it and he looks up at the at the crane he looks at you leo uh, as the man in charge right now flashes you a smile gives you a thumbs up and disappears back down below oh no <laughs> well isn't he helpful <laughs> okay I, as the player, have an idea of of what's causing it. I, I mean, it's it's enough to it's enough to guess that that my character would as well. If the if the ship is healing and the only thing we've done is attempt to lift this chest, I think he might. Uh, he like he rolls his eyes and because he's like he's basically just hung me out to dry. He's like you figure it out. And then he, he's he's looking up at this really heavy chest in the net and he's like, "All right, boy, we're gonna have to pull this back. Pull it back." Ready for me? Heave. One, two, and three. Right, right, yep. All right, so you let the slack, you let the line out, you introduce some slack into the line, and the good ship Continental settles back into her normal position. And uh, you can you can actually hear uh, the spar uh, above you creak as it resumes its normal orientation. Uh, it was under <laughs> enough strain that the, the, the great wooden yard had begun to bend. Which it isn't Oof. intended to do. It's intended to bend before it breaks. But. Okay. 
Oi, oi, Mr. Leo? Uh, maybe we should ask the lady what's in the box? You know, the, the lady over there, the, the, the philodendron? Yeah. Uh, her, his, 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 his mouth is open <laughs> and he's, he's, he's looking up at the spar, like wide-eyed. He's never seen that happen. He turns towards, uh, toward Miss Passenger. I can't remember her name. Uh, Barbara Ewing. Barbara Ewing, okay. He just turns to her and this is kind of in a bellowy, because he's, he's used to yelling on ships, so he just, without even hardly raising his voice, but she can hear him, he's like, What in the seven hells have you got in that box? Uh, books, books, a great number of books, uh, all of which are essential to my research. Uh-huh. That was going to be my first guess. Well, uh, <laughs> uh I, I do apologize, ma'am, but um, those uh, essential books are going to be making this... Making this voyage a bit, uh, a bit unessential, if you take the meeting. Those books come with me. I'm a passenger. This is a cargo vessel. Surely you can find some way to bring cargo aboard a cargo vessel. Now, for the record here, Leo, you have been doing, you, you have been sailing for a hot minute. Yeah. You have you have carried loads of books, right? Like you've carried chests full of books <laughs> in the past. This is way too heavy to be books. Because like initially he's you know he gives the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't like to think badly of people, so he he's hoping that maybe she'll say exactly what's in there. And then she's like, oh, it's books. He's he's thinking, yeah, yeah, right, no way. And uh, then he he steps up, moves toward the moves toward the chest. Is it um is it locked down, padlocked, chained, anything, or is it just? Uh, it is locked, and you can tell uh, that it has in fact been sealed. Oh, um, some some mm. some uh, oiled cloth has been placed in the seams uh, in order to keep the salt air out of it. Ah. Mm. Okay, then I think you know, I think he he turns to uh, he turns to Miss Barbara, and he says, "Well, uh, if you truly want to see what's happening here, I would like to see." Uh, personally inspect the contents of uh, said box, ma'am. And he reaches out a hand. He's expecting her to hold a key uh, because he needs to see, the, you know, because he knows there's not books in there and he's trying to be nice about it. Uh, absolutely not. The sea air will irreparably damage those books and my, uh, my, my personal effects will not be opened. That seal, once cracked, will not be able to be replicated. You will not... I packed that crate, uh, that chest under controlled conditions, and I will not have you monkeying about, and, and like, you can tell that she's beginning to kind of work herself up. Now, um, one thing I will point out about the situation, and, and um, what we're doing, of course your your character would know this, and of course you out of character would, would not, it would be very a very strange and silly thing for you to be aware of out of character, is... The port of Charleston has a lot of cranes, right? And you can absolutely, the thing you just did with rigging up the crane here on the Continental is 100% the thing you would do for bringing, of, uh, bringing aboard a heavy chest of personal effects, right? Like this is the standard thing you've done. You've done everything 100% right. You're probably gonna need to use a land-based crane. Now that it is clear that this is like, this is cargo heavy, you're probably gonna need to use a land-based crane to get it into the hold. You're just gonna need to, to do it like that. You're gonna need to, to walk the ship around to one of these these shore-based cranes. Um, the shore-based crane is, is functionally the same thing you just did, but scaled up, right? It even has a capstan. There are steam-powered cranes here in Charleston. Boy, howdy, if if you need a, a steam-powered crane to lift aboard a simple sea chest, it's <laughs> presumably got uh, 
you know, neutron star material inside it. Yeah. <laughs> just for a uh, just for flavor, John kind of lightly, you know, uh, touches uh, Barbara's like elbow. It's like like a comforting gesture, you know, and says, "Oh, is this how you treat a passenger? Then, you know, don't be going through her stuff." Well, oh, just just out of curiosity, ma'am, uh, is we pay for your service. We expect to be treated right, don't we, miss? Are, are, are those books made of solid lead? Mm. Those books, young man, are precious and important, but not, and I cannot emphasize this enough, not worth any actual money. <laughs> she glares at you. And he, he just he I don't sighed. think James comprehends that. <laughs> I don't think precious and important and not worth money actually compute. I think you can just see his brain short circuit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he Leo just Leo just sighs, puffs, turns away a second, and then he he kind of he looks down at James and he's like, "Well, boy, you ever have a chance to work the land crane? Seems like we might have to pull that out to get this on." Get a big smile on on James's face. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, follow me, and and he'll head up um, to and and remind uh, tell me how this works because. Am I going to, uh, from where the ship is, we're going to have to move it around to access the crane, right? It can't, it can't stay where it is. It's got to be moved so it can be attached, right? Yes, but that is actually a lot easier than you might expect. Um, because it is floating and water does wonderful things to physics. And you basically <laughs> get a bunch of, uh, you, you, you put lines on either end of the ship and get a bunch of, of sailors on each line, and you can just kind of walk the ship wherever you want. Okay. It's slow. It's very slow, and and it's 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 work, but it's totally doable. Yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if um if it would require a uh um a roll or anything. Nah. But uh yeah. Okay. So then uh since the other uh since the first first mate is is down below, uh he's just going to um like I'm guessing there are just sailors and general crew around too, right? Yep, there absolutely are. Uh, there are also uh, dock hands, All right. um, dock workers uh, who are employed for precisely this purpose. Okay. Yeah, I think he's just standing there in the middle of the deck, and he turns to uh, he turns to the in general populace. He just bellows out. It's like, <laughs> "All right, listen up, you bunch of lazy ones here. Get to the lines. We got to move that on now." James hops to. So yeah, you guys bring the Continental around. And uh, Barbara Ewing kind of leads the cart horse around and the whole thing is, is arranged. Does the horse look like it's having a hard time? It's a big horse and horses are really strong and also it's on wheels, which again, does weird magic things to physics. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you are able to do this and, and Barbara Ewing seems, seems very pleased that, that all this is occurring. That she had been building herself up into a temper and now she's, she's perfectly happy. <laughs> she, uh, and, and in fact, uh, Mike, Mike, as a, a spy and professional reader of people, mm -hmm. you get the sense, like, she's not a mean person, right? She's just very concerned about this chest. And, mm -hmm. you know, this, she, she oughtn't to be judged. It would be unfair to judge her for, for that, that little almost outburst. Uh, she's perfectly yeah. nice. And I think the other thing, too, is I think that Mike has been looking at this whole situation kind of bemusedly. You know, he's kind of been taking the back seat just watching, and 
his curiosity is definitely piqued to figure out what it is she's actually carrying if uh if it was heavy enough you know because i think he could probably reason out too that heavy books probably shouldn't have done what it did so he's curious to see what's really going on he might not do anything about it if it doesn't impact their whole whole mission here but uh he's definitely taking notes in his head about this cool 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 the dock workers get on the capstan the sailors who are on watch get on the capstan everybody gets on the capstan and as they tramp the capstan round they do it to the tune of a capstan shanty that you have not documented before And this shanty uh, is none other than the the relevant shanty of the adventure, Sacramento. Ah. Uh, Were we in person, if we were gaming in person, this would be the part where I would pass out a bunch of handouts with the lyrics on them. uh, And I would lead us in singing the shanty together, uh, which is an enormous amount of fun. Uh, These are, you know, rough (laughs) songs. Written to be sung while working, so it doesn't matter if you're any good at singing or not. You just belt it out, and yeah, man, like it's intended. It's it's written to be sung like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. alas, singing together uh, over the internet uh, is a nightmare and must not ever be attempted. <laughs> yeah. See our our attempt to sing Happy Birthday to Andrew in that one episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we are gonna do instead. Uh, is we're going to recite this shanty. Uh, And for those of you listening at home, I just want you to imagine us all singing it together and our our untrained voices coming together in in joyous chorus and not necessarily sounding very good, but having a good time doing it. But instead, we're going to, uh, we're just going to recite it um, and I will do a verse and the chorus and then we will go around the horn, uh, each of us doing a verse and a chorus uh, until we are done. So... I just need to say really quick, I see what you did there. With yeah, the that was it. Horn. I saw it too. <laughs> Around the horn. Around Cape Horn, we are bound to go. To me, hoodah, to me, hoodah. Around Cape Horn, through the sleet and snow. To me, hoodah, hoodah day. Blow, boys, blow, for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told, on the banks of the Sacramento. Oh, around Cape Horn, with the main sky sail set, to be hooda, to be hooda. Around Cape Horn, and we're ringing all wet, to be hooda, to be hooda. Blow, boys, blow for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told, on the banks of the Sacramento. Oh, around Cape Horn, in the month of May, to me hooda, to me hooda. Around Cape Horn is a very long way, to me hooda, hooda day. Blow, boys, blow for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told, on the banks of the Sacramento. Them Spanish gals ain't got no combs to me huda to me huda. They comb their locks with tummy fish bones to me huda huda day. Blow boys blow for Californio. There's plenty of gold so I've been told on the banks of the Sacramento. Singin' heaven heaven sing to me huda to me huda. Singin' make those hen spikes spring to me huda huda day. Hey, that was mine. Blow my boys day. blow for Californio. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told on the banks of the Sacramento. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. I stole your verse. <laughs> you did? Did you not hear me? I steal steal my verse. I apologize. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, now you make me say the word breast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You gotta do it. Breast your bars and bend your backs to me hooda, to me hooda. Heave and make your spare ribs crack 
to me huda huda day. Blow boys blow for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told on the banks of the Sacramento. Can I just interject really quick? I just realized when you sang it that I now know the tune to the song. I was gonna say I know stuff. the yeah. tune. Yeah, yeah no, I've definitely yeah. heard it before. It's been like Where redone as other stuff though. Yeah. Song before. I, yeah. I did send you guys out. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, when you we were choosing, but I know, yeah. like, I know it from somewhere else. I knew it before else. them too. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Huh? Who's next? All right, Wesley, steal. Oh. St- st- yeah. Go ahead and steal. Which? Oh, okay. <laughs> so Tander Jim is a maid from hell to be huda to be huda, with fists of iron and feet as well to be huda huda day. Blow, boys, blow for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told, on the banks of the Sacramento. Before I say mine, I just have to say that verse in particular makes me afraid for future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, if my, um, my superior happens to be some otherworldly thing. Can you tell us Can you tell us how to pronounce skiut? Sure, Skiute? go for it. Well, it's, it's going to be mine. So I know gonna, it's I'm your gonna, line, but I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm going to try it. Okay. We'll crack it on on a big skiut. To me, huda, to me, huda. Old bully Jim is a bloody big brute. To me, huda, huda day. Blow, boys, blow for California, yo. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told on the banks of the Sacramento. Did I did I get it right? Is it Skyute? Uh, well, if you follow the footnote, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, this lyric sheet oh, starts yes. with footnotes. <laughs> yes. uh, you will note that the reference is lost, so it's, it's not lost. reference oh. is lost. It's unclear, okay. We don't know what skiute means. Or a real, documented, actual historical shanty, but we, as far as I, my research was able to uncover, we just don't know what a skiute is anymore. Hmm. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Cool. All right, well, I will do the next one. <laughs> oh, a bully ship with a bully crew. To me, huda, to me, huda. But the mate is a bastard through and through. To me, huda, oh, no. huda. Oh, day. boy. Blow, oh, boys, no. blow oh. for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told, on the banks of the Sacramento. You're not going to steal it from me this time. I'm going to say it this time. <laughs> Round the horn and up to the line. To me, huda, to me, huda. We're the bullies for to make her shine. To me, huda, huda day. Blow, boys, blow for California. There's plenty of gold, so I've been told on the banks of the Sacramento. We made it. Yeah. Even just reciting it. That was a lot of fun. I like yeah. that. That was fun. I really like that. I would have liked to sing it, but it would have sounded like hot garbage. Yeah. Especially recorded. <laughs> an attempt. And for the record, I just realized uh, the song that you guys are probably referencing, uh, Camp Town Ladies. Yep. Oh, that's the one da, I'm thinking da, da, of. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it does have, this, have a very doo-dah. similar tune. Yeah. Interesting. So, important question. Do you document this shanty? Yes, if you, although, although, hmm, well, if hold on a second, though. What our, so you said that our characters know that as soon as we start documenting this thing, it's going to go off, right? Not necessarily yeah. the instant after, but yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's going to okay. go off. Okay. But, we're, but we are um, unhealthily what obsessed. you might know, we unhealthily yeah. obsessed. <laughs> unhealthily obsessed, okay. I just wanted to know in, like, in the fiction, does it happen right away? Like, would we have the tact to, like, let it be sung again underway, or would we just do it now and be ready? And it sounds like it'd be the second one, so I'm on board for that. Okay. All right. I think James is starting to, like, memorize this thing. <laughs> no matter what anyone else does. I don't know if my character can read, um, but I can memorize things real good. <laughs> my, my character definitely has a notepad and, and pen, so he's probably started But who initially down. started it, though? If if none, if we're all documenting it now, we've not heard it. It would have been the people on the on the shore. Yeah. yeah one of the dock workers. Uh, yeah, okay. 
So then, yeah, I think it ties into my character's story as well that he he picks it up and he's uh, yeah, he's got he's got a few spare sheets of uh, sheets to write on on him should the occasion arise. So yeah, he's writing it down too. I think James probably gives like a kind of a crazy like smile over at Leo, like it's a new one. He's he's looking at him and his whole expression is like equal parts. Kind of terrified, but also really excited because this is, as I said, his his uh, his drive is is kinship. So this is this is speaking to some deep part of his soul right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you all very much for not rejecting the uh, the premise of the game. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was like, I don't think we have a yeah. choice here. I don't want to. I don't want to document it. That's not every fun. once <laughs> in a blue moon. I'll run a one shot, and somebody will be like, "You know, this seems dangerous, guys. I don't think I'm going to document." It's like, man, like I just explained to you, this is the point <laughs> of the game. Point. This is the, the premise. Yeah. Game. <laughs> I was almost that one. I thought that maybe we we're supposed to wait till we're actually sailing, but it makes sense that it doesn't pop off right away. So. In, in campaign play that, that sometimes comes up, I did in, in running a playtest campaign, I did at one point have a, a uh, shanty, I think it was Fire Down Below, where after we all sang it, everybody looked at each other and said, you know what? I just, I don't think so. I, this, and, and like the party so. unanimously was like, no, absolutely not. Please tell us yeah. that you prepared a more adventure than just this, Tristan, because <laughs> we're not going to do That's it. Funny. We're not writing this one down. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think after, you know, we hear this sh- shanty and um, Mike writes it down, I think he might like mosey on over to John. And I don't think he says anything. I think he just, like, as he's walking by, just kind of, like, gives him a knowing look and a nod. Yeah. And um, I think later on, maybe, maybe, like, as this is happening and he's moved away from Barbara, he just says, um, and I'm going to, before I speak, um, I did say earlier that he's Irish, but he grew up in America because I can't do an <laughs> Irish accent. So uh, he doesn't sound Irish, even though he's of Irish descent. Um, I think just anyways. for flavor, just to emphasize that whenever you walk over, John's like, there's my favorite Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's just going to say, um, <clears throat> well, I, um, I think that's going to be a fun one later, eh? Hi. We'll uh, have to keep an eye out on, on Jim, I think, later on. Mr. Jim has not wronged any of you. Why would you say these <laughs> cruel things about Mr. Jim, the first mate? I think we're like getting to the end of the song and it starts doing the parts about like naming a specific Jim. Yes. And I think so far this whole time, like James has had this big smile on his face as he's like singing <laughs> along with this song. And we get to the end and, and he starts to get this like, oh, <laughs> like yeah. look on his face. Yeah. But he keeps singing just quieter now. Yeah. Santander Jim is yeah. a mate from hell. Yeah. Yeah, I, what? I, I think <laughs> Leo doesn't, even if it's good or bad, whatever the shanty is, he, he believes in singing it to completion. So he doesn't get quite, but he, he catches the, you know, the very obvious name drop. And then he looks over at uh, James and he sees this, you know, kind of pensive look, I'm guessing, on his face because he's like nervous now. And Leo will just sink a sink a kind of a heavy hand to his shoulder and say, you better batten down your hatches, boy. This one's going to get real interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, fast forward. The voyage south from Charleston is uneventful, even pleasant, but you all know where you're going. 
in order to reach San Francisco, and there is no Panama Canal, Ugh. you're going to have to go around Cape Horn. Cape Horn is the southern tip of South America. You see, there's, there's bands of wind around the Earth, and once you get south, uh, once you get into the 40s degrees south, really the only land is South America. Africa doesn't extend far enough south, so forth and so on. And that creates an area where the wind can just go around the, 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 the world again and again and again without ever really slowing down. And it creates a band called the Fury, called the Roaring Forties. And in fact, uh, the, 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 the pass between the North and South Islands in, uh, in New Zealand are famous for the, the Roaring Forties going right through there. And as you go further south, there's less land. You come to the Furious 50s. And as you go further south, you come to the Shrieking 60s. Oh. And Cape Horn <laughs> is, I believe, in the Shrieking 60s. You are, uh, it, it is, um, even in Antarctic summer, which is, of course, in January, uh, even in Antarctic summer, you sometimes get snow. The wind always blows from the west, which means you're going the wrong direction around Cape Horn, which is the bad direction to go. Storms spring up out of nowhere. Going around Cape Horn is the hardest thing that a commercial sailing vessel routinely does. It's where you really earn your money. And you, of course, are going to have to go around Cape Horn. Now, you're not there yet, but <laughs> you are rounding the Falklands and this infamous Cape Horn weather is beginning. The wind keeps picking up and the barometer keeps trickling down. And one morning you come up to see blowing snow on deck. It's nothing Continental can't handle, but then you hear a song on the wind. Now, it is not being sung in, in English. Mike and John, our, sp our Smithsonian spy and our eccentric dilettante. Yes. You recognize the language. The language that this is being sung in uh, is Old English. This is oh. not mutually intelligible with, with modern English. This is <laughs> uh, the, the Germanic language of the, the early medieval Saxons, right? Like this is, this is more akin to modern German than it is to modern English. Important question for the two of you. Uh, do either of you speak this language? One of you working for the Smithsonian, the other of you having uh, a, 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 an aristocratic upbringing. It is possible yeah. that one of the two of you may speak it. Hmm. I think I probably speak French. I think that's probably the other language <laughs> that I know. Okay. I think in Mike's case, though, Mike knows it probably passably. He's not fluent, but I think he knows it just as a nature of the job, I think he's yeah. picked up a couple languages just so that he can understand them if necessary. I think so. John might know a few words, but I, I think the other language that he really knows besides English is French. Maybe he was required to memorize a few lines of Beowulf when he was a child. Something, <laughs> yeah, actually, probably something like that. In 1880, I don't think Beowulf's been rediscovered yet. So, moot point. Anyway, oh. moving on. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But okay, so... Mike, you can mm -hmm. passably understand and maybe speak a little bit of Old English, uh, this, you know, mm -hmm. this, this medieval Saxon tongue. Uh, this is a love song. The song on the wind is, is, is uh, being sung in a woman's voice, and it is a love song. Okay. Do you tell the rest of the party this? 
Oh, oh, definitely. So I think at this point, you said that we had like kind of come up for the day and we see that snow is starting to blow across the deck, right? Yes. And like it's it's getting snowy. So I think, you know, Mike is just getting up for the day, kind of getting out and taking in the, the sea sights. And he hears this on the wind and he he understands enough of it to know that it's, you know, old English and that it is a love song. So I think he would go and like kind of search for the other three members of our little our little band here that knows what's going on. Uh, so where's everybody else to kind of give me an idea of who I go to first? Um, probably harassing the chef. Well, I you, heard it so too, so I'm be... on deck with you. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. You're on deck with me. I might be over either overseeing the in general crew, or I could possibly be steering if the captain's not out steering. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so then I think I would definitely go to John first. So um, Mike hears this and he takes it in to kind of understand what it is. And then he he uh, he walks over to John on deck and he says, um, "Hey, um, so you uh, you hear that?" Oh, you hear it too? I thought I might have been having a nice daydream or something. Mm, no, no, no. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely um, it's definitely old English. That it's, it's a love song. Thought she sounded pretty. Yeah, sounds nice. Strange though. I mean, it's not anybody here. Yeah. Do Do you think Mike would have any kind of idea of where this is coming from, or is he just hearing it on the wind? It's being carried on the wind, and at about okay. this point, the song kind of wraps up. There's no more song. Hmm. Okay. Huh. And I think uh, I think after it wraps up, Mike looks to John. He just says, "Well, um, definitely something to keep an eye out for, especially considering what uh." what we've started here so maybe we should go tell the other two yeah i think think that's probably best all right i'll uh, i'll find um i'll find james you go find uh, leo and uh, mike will look around and if he doesn't see james above decks uh he'll go below decks to try and find him yeah james is below deck uh harassing the chef yeah so I'll I'll go first then. Yeah, I'll go first then. So yeah, Mike, you know, looks around and eventually finds him uh, harassing the chef. So um, you want to break off a piece of that before I jump in? Yeah, I think um, he, he's basically just like kind of wandering around being like, well, can I help with anything? You know, just like trying to like bother this guy and hoping he feeds him something, something that might not be hard tech. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, the ship's cook... Um, a uh, one-legged, one-legged crew sailor from what is today Liberia. He kind of grabs an apron and like does that kind of towel whip at you <laughs> uh, to get you out of his galley. This does not deter James at all. <laughs> out, out! Oh, oh, you sure you can't you can't find anything for me to do? Like I, I can be helpful, I promise. He uh, he folds it in half. Uh, and then raises it as if to strike you. Of course, in doing so, as we all know from having been children, yeah, okay, you can hit somebody with a with a towel or a piece of cloth, whatever. Like it's the flicking that's actually dangerous yeah. uh, or, or painful anyway. This looks a lot more menacing, but is in practice less menacing. But he's like, ah, you know, get out of my galley. <laughs> and the bath, that's probably when you. Come. Yeah, that's probably when I I come in, and um, I'm gonna let it play out. But uh, if I can catch. <laughs> James's attention. I'm gonna try and like nod my head out of the galley to indicate I have something to tell him. Oh, are you sure? I can't do any ducks under whatever this is. I um. Oh um. Hi. How's it going? No, it's uh. It's going good. Um. Is 
food ready? Um, uh, not, not yet, no. Mm, okay, well, Kind of uh, looking a little guilty, like maybe I'm the reason it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just, the Mike looks at you and just says, um, I, I think, um, Leo, his name is, is, uh, looking for you. I just happened to hear up while I was up top. Oh, uh, do I have to go up there? I'm not freeze my bollocks off. Mike just nods his head. <sighs> All right. Have a, have a good day, sir. And he's going to run upstairs and probably hold his, his coat. Well, closer. once, once, um, once Mike gets you out of the galley, he just kind of sticks an arm out. He just says, I was just trying to get your attention. Leo's not actually looking for you. You're, you're fine. Oh, uh, what's going on? I uh, just wanted to let you know that I was topside and I heard, um, I heard a song on the wind. Uh, it was old English sung by a woman. Uh, it was a love song. It was kind of strange. Um, a woman? Yeah. I, I just, it weren't uh, none of those w- mermaids, were it? Uh, I, I, I couldn't say. I just wanted you to know because uh, I think things might be popping off. James looks very nervous at the prospect of mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't I haven't figured out what it is yet. Just wanted uh, everyone to be aware that we could uh, start seeing things. All right. Yeah, and uh, while this is happening, John has, you know sauntered over to wherever uh, Leo is with, you know, I don't know ship terms, wherever the navigation takes place. I mean, I was gonna, <laughs> that's why I was asking, like, is the is the first... Well, yeah, yeah, John's gonna come inform Leo of everything that is happening. He's just going at a much more casual pace and is sipping at something in a flask while he wanders over. Okay. <laughs> to keep himself warm, you know, it's cold. <laughs> and uh, w- was the was the first mate out on deck or or not? Because if first mate's not, then unless the captain's steering, then I'd be steering the ship. Uh, so, Mister Jim, uh, or I suppose just Jim to you, Mister um, Jim uh, is down below. His watch is not on deck. Um, it's not super relevant for this adventure, but I might as well explain. Work on a ship is done. Uh, in two watch teams. Traditionally, they are called the port watch and the starboard watch. The port watch works for four hours while the starboard watch is below. Then the starboard watch comes up and works for four hours while the port watch goes below to hopefully get some sleep. And you work four hours on, four hours off, 24 hours a day, no days off, for months at a time. Which means that you will go an entire voyage, probably, without ever sleeping for more than, than three and a half, four hours straight. Um, it is awful. It is a terrible uh. way to live. Um, but it is the way things work. Um, each mate runs one watch. So, Leo, you are your watch is currently on duty, and um, John is, is part of your watch. And generally speaking, you would not be, uh, since it sounds like you're asking, um, I, of course, would be perfectly comfortable if, if you just wanted to declare you know what I want to be I want to be steering the ship like absolutely no, no uh, go for it but if not necessarily I was um I was just curious so no um in in that case you were probably near the ship's wheel you are in the aft part of the ship what's called the quarter deck okay you have uh sailors uh work the uh, sailors man the wheel uh in two hour stints called tricks uh, so there's presumably a sailor taking his trick at the wheel, and you are nearby to be like, hey man, stop screwing up. 
Um, maybe maybe try doing your job well. You ever think about yeah. that? But yeah. he's he's and and in case of an emergency, it would not be unreasonable for you to be like, okay, you're really messing this up. Get off the wheel. I got this. Okay. Uh, can I um can I just back the timer up a little to just to give an idea of uh, what Leo's reaction to this music might have been? Sure. Okay. Uh, yes, he doesn't he doesn't fully understand uh, since it's in this old English. Uh, he doesn't know what's being said, but. He's he's watching, and I think some of the crew might notice, or you know, they might try to uh, they might try to slack off a little because they notice he's not watching as carefully because he can't tell what's being sung, but he can tell it's a woman. He he definitely hears a a, a woman's voice, and this this is going to be the time I think where I reveal uh, my kinship connection. I think because. Uh, the reason that he has been so drawn to the ocean life for so many years uh, is be a drive being kinship. Uh, it was his great-great-grandfather who actually managed to come across come across a mermaid and um, well, I mean, just I mean, this is a this is a sea shanty adventure. What, what, do, you, what do you think? What do you think happens? Yes, yeah. it was an encounter. But because of that, he you know he's always grown up hearing these stories, and he's always always wished to, if not to just see a mermaid, but to possibly even meet this same one from from his own family history. If you know he doesn't even know if they live for that long or not, but just to see something like that. And so that's why, that's where the drive comes from. And so he's like, in a way, fulfilling his his family's legacy because his great-great-grandfather was, of course, also a, a, a shanty hunter like himself. So he's got this really pensive kind of far off look in his eyes. And, and then the song ends and he's kind of coming back to himself. And the, you know, the crew is like, oh boy, hurry up, he's, he's, he's back up, you know. And then he, I'm guessing this is gonna be when, uh, when Hannah's character, John strolls up. <laughs> yeah, she just, or she, yeah, I'm used to playing women. He, <laughs> he just walks up to him and tells him, you know, exactly what happened. We don't need to go through it again, but just, it's like, hey, you know, did you hear that? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, you know. Now, an important question for James, our polywog. Did you, when, when you learned, like, okay, things could be about to be kicking off, did you go up on deck? Yeah, I want to see what's going on. Okay. <laughs> So, Just grumbling the whole time. Leo, cool. while you are still processing this information, hey, this is a Saxon love song. Very strange. A wave comes out of nowhere <gasps> and broaches across the deck. And it's not strong enough, it's not large enough to genuinely clear the deck, which, since no one was expecting it, probably would mean several sailors got knocked overboard and will definitely drown. <laughs> um, like, this does not happen. It is not that big. <laughs> but it is big enough to deposit on deck what is, without question, a friggin' mermaid. Just James right on just deck. Screams. Just on deck. <laughs> and, like a little girl. <laughs> and she has, like, messy, ratty hair, and she has claws at the ends of her fingers, oh. and she has sharp, shark-like teeth, and she starts lashing out uh, with with her claws and starts 
starts thrashing with her 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 long, strongly muscled tail. Um, and the sailors immediately like back up. They get out of there. And because of where she's located, access to one of the masts. We'll just go ahead and say the foremast, the frontmost one. Access to one of the masts is restricted. You can't get to it anymore, not without going through her, which doesn't look pleasant, which is fine for now, but at some point, you will need to work the sails on the foremast, and her being there will prevent you from doing that, and that will be a problem. Ugh. Great. So, she is lashing out, she is shouting something, um, she is shouting something in Old English. Uh, Mike, you can just sort of make out that she is angry about something. Um, what do you guys do? Oh, hey, miss, if you could just scream. jump back in the water, I think there's some kind of misunderstanding here. I scream and run back down the stairs and probably <laughs> run into, uh... Mike? Mike, who's coming yeah. down the st- who's coming up after me. Yeah, you probably get a weird look from Mike, and then Mike go- it goes past you to get up on deck, and then he sees... It's, 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 it's... it's... <laughs> you can't say the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he gets up and is like, Oh, is, is, is that a mermaid? Yeah. And <laughs> you just um, hear John he... shouting at her to jump back in the water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Mike hears her, you know, angrily speaking in, you know, old English and being angry about something. And I think he's going to attempt to try and calm her down. He's going to try and use his passable old English to try and communicate with her if possible. So I think he's going to be like, you know, in old English, the, the little broken bits he knows he's gonna be like um calm down uh no harm um help and like kind of like not approach her per se but try and like show that he understands her what the hell are you saying she is having none of it so she yells at you in, in 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 old english and she is castigating you for for your sins and your evils Specifically, <laughs> it's it's hard to tell because Old English doesn't really have this word. Uh, mm. So she is having to use other words to describe it. But specifically because you are an American, uh, she seems to be <laughs> very angry with Whoa. you. Oh. <laughs> and, and one thing that you do notice, which is weird, most of what she's saying is in Old English. Every so often, a, a word of Spanish slips in there. Huh. Huh. Interesting. And yeah, she's real mad at you. So she's mad at me specifically for you being specifically. an American. Oh. What, what's she saying, sir? She's angry at me for being an American, apparently. Ha. Well, I mean, that's, that's bad. That's right, get him. Well, excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's just going to, like, look around, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll see Leo, and he can get to Leo without going past her, right? Yes. Oh, because because Leo's at the back of the ship and she's at yeah. the front of the ship. You have to give her a yeah. nice wide berth, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so he gives her a wide berth and he just gets up. He like kind of rushes up to Leo and he's just like, "Hey, um, she's uh, apparently angry at me for being an American. I I don't know why she's singling <laughs> me out, but uh, I think we need to find a way to get her off ship." Oh, do you think? Initially, I, I don't think uh, I don't think Leo's even paying attention to what he's being told here because something from his childhood stories has just fallen into his lap, <laughs> and he's like equal parts kind of oh she looks terribly ugly I don't want to touch it versus 
I, I need to know everything. I want to, you know, I need, you know, he's he's kind of fighting the urge to maybe step up closer and get a better look. Yeah, yeah, I have a reaction, honestly. I think that if he's kind of like not responding right away and he's kind of got that far off look, I think Mike's gonna like, you know, snap at his face and be like, hey, Leo, we've got a mermaid on deck that we need to get rid of. <laughs> she points at you. She points at you, Leo, and she shouts something in Old English. Again, with with a a few words of Spanish mixed in there. Okay. That roughly translates to, you are a traitor to my line for working with these Americans and their museum. What? What the? Do you translate that for him? Of course, you don't um, understand yeah. that. Only Mike does. Right. But, you know, Mike whatever. Does. Yeah, Mike. I think he yeah. turns. He t- Mike hears that and he's he turns like, to him. He's like, what, oh, what? yeah, go ahead. Forehead wrinkles. He, he turns to Mike. He's like, uh, uh what, what, what you say? Hmm. Um, real quick, how many other sailors are like immediately next to me and Leo right now? Is it just us that are in the know, or are there a bunch of like other sailors around right now? There, there is a a full watch team of sailors on deck. I call it eight sailors on deck. Okay. One thing I, I will uh, I will say, and this is something that all of you will be aware of because you have dealt with shanties in the past, while a shanty is recapitulating, the crew generally gets real docile. Ugh. On the bright side, this is good because if you're not an authority figure, you can order them around and they will do what, what they are told. Uh, on the downside, uh, they won't take initiative. Right? Oh. Uh, so they're not necessarily, like, if there's an obvious problem, they won't do the obvious thing to solve it. Uh, when it, when the shanty is recapitulating, you really are on your own. Interesting. Okay. Oh. But in that case, if I'm, like, quiet enough, I might not have to worry about them overhearing what I'm saying, right? Uh, and in fact, they might not even remember. Okay. Okay, cool. So then I think what he's going to do is, like, you know, Leo asks him, and he's just going to say, um, so I getting a bit more of a picture now. Apparently she thinks that you're a traitor to her line for working with me in the museum that I work with. So I think this is uh, maybe related to my bosses. Hang on a second. Did you say her, her line? Yeah, I w- I'm wondering if... Yeah, he wouldn't have really gone over this with many people, I don't think. So he's looking at James and he's kind of... I can't imagine. He's kind of clears his throat. <clears throat> well, yeah, it was... Uh, was an old story my dad told me of a family member of mine uh, <laughs> met uh, one of her cu- well he looks met. at her very sharply he's like yes <laughs> met and he nods very slowly <laughs> yeah John gives him a wink <laughs> James is looking horrified about this <laughs> and then he, yeah he looks at he looks at James and he looks back at the mermaid because I don't think in the stories I don't I'm not sure if the uh, full description of what mermaids actually look like would have come through, so he might have been imagining some kind of, you know, Ariel-esque mermaid, and yet here's this, which is obviously not the same. Yeah, and so he's, yeah, he, he turns and he's like, I, I mean, I, I, I thought I thought perhaps it could be, it could have been real, but I, I, <laughs> I never thought in normal wildest dreams that I would, <clears throat> and he's, yeah, he, he's, but he's still trying to, uh, well, wait, wait a minute. How does she know about the museum? Yeah, that's... I can't say museum. How does she British know about accent? any of this? <laughs> that's why... That's what. It's I not mean, like she's going to recognize you. But she's a mermaid. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that she knows these kinds of things. You think they got magic? I think he steps up a little closer. Not not too close, but he just, assuming she can understand him, he, she might not be able to, but he, he calls out to her and he's like, are you the one? And he's actually, he's asking like, is like, is this, is this the one from the story that is somehow still alive? You're asking the mermaid if she got jiggy with your great grandfather. She gestures with her awful clawed fingers. She, she <laughs> runs them through her matted hair and then gestures with a like, oh, come over here. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. But he, he like, I think in all of five seconds, his, his, his aspirations of some kind of, you know, great story that happened have just vanished. And he's like, he's, he's shaking his head very slowly and steps, he steps back. And it, it's kind of, you can tell on his face that it's kind of, he's having to fight internally because, I mean, like it or not, there is a call that he's, he's hearing, like, connection to the sea, as his drive says. But I'm not sure. The others might actually might have to pull him back. I don't know how successful he's being at this attempting to put, because she might be trying to lay some kind of spell on him or something. <laughs> she is, there's nothing magical. She's just gesturing. Um, and she calls out to you. Uh, you, of course, don't understand what she's saying, but uh, Mike, you get the general gist that it's the seas belong to us and to England. Return to your family. <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> And I'm guessing he relays this to me, right? Um, yeah, well, so what Mike's going to say is um, I get the impression that she's a little bit uh, salty about uh, <laughs> American get it, Americans getting their independence from England or something. <laughs> well, I reckon she's not the only one. <laughs> Anyways, she says that uh, the seas belong to them in England and that uh, to return home with her. And I think he'll he'll look very obviously down at his, you know, two-legged human self. And he's like, you'll think she would notice I was not quite the same. <laughs> uh, excuse me, miss? Uh, is there anything we can do to help you? She doesn't say anything, but she's, she gestures like this. Oh, I'm going over there. You uh, got a translation? She wants him to go over to her. I, I, don't, I don't trust it. There, Leo, I think we should uh, get her off the deck. You want a drink? <laughs> he holds out his flask. <laughs> uh, James, I did I overhear that you were not going over to her? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. All right. Although James question? has begun humming the, the, the words to Sacramento. Ah. Has been, like, thinking, has been, like, starting. This is not his first rodeo on this, and he's been, like, thinking through it. And suddenly, as you guys are, like, walking over there, he goes, I... Does does anyone have a fish, a fish skeleton? I think that Leo, despite what he, what he's saying, like this, this is this is tied to his to his drive. So possibly even against his own will, he's unconsciously starting to move closer to her. I think. <laughs> I think John grabs his shoulder so he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, uh, do you attempt to break free of this assistance? Um, yeah, I think it might take more than one person. Uh-oh. Leo, go ahead and roll me athletics. First roll of the game. Ooh, okay. Oh! <laughs> well, you'll get a six because of who you are as a person. Well, let's see here. <laughs> uh, actually, that's a two with a two modifier. Oh! So... <laughs> oh, well, that's a four. That's a four. <laughs> 
So a four is enough. You break free uh, of your friend's attempt to help you <laughs> and uh, and begin proceeding towards the mermaid yeah, who is claiming to be your great-great-grandmother. He's got, he's got this terrible, like, <laughs> thousand-yard stare. He's not even aware of what he's doing at this point. Look, I'm not the brave one here, so someone else is going to have to go again. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to do nothing. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I, I think, like, that happened, but in the same moment, Mike heard uh, James talking about, like, you know, humming the, the lyrics, and it kind of snaps Mike back into it that this could be related to the the lyrics of Sacramento. It could be the song playing out, specifically the verses about the Spanish gals ain't got no combs. Uh-huh. They comb their locks with tummy fish bones. Exactly. That's why he was yeah. asking about fish bones. Yeah, because yeah. we've already kind of had the snowy weather from the beginning of the song. Mm. And um, now we're, we're kind of at like the fourth verse already, which is talking of like, he's kind of seeing where James is going. And then like at the same moment, you know, Leo is rushing towards the mermaid. So I think that I think Mike, I think all Mike can think to do is to try and snap him out of it. And, um, I think what he's going to do is first, he's going to say to James, he says, um, think you're onto something kid, uh, go find a comb. And then he's going to try and get in Leo's way and try to stop him, I guess. James is going to run over to, um, John and say, you wouldn't happen to have a comb for that pretty hair of yours, would you? Well, you know, I do take a good bit of time with my personal grooming, but uh, I don't usually have a comb on me. I might have one in my closet somewhere. Oh, okay. I'll go find it. <laughs> and he runs down uh, into the sleeping quarters and he's going to try to go find... Uh, he's going to find some fish bones from the chef and he's going to find some... And he's going to try to find a comb and see if he can <laughs> offer either of those objects to the mermaid. <laughs> so while... James, our brave and noble young Pollywog, uh, is is desperately trying to solve this problem while the rest of the party is like, hmm, this sure seems like a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> while that is happening, yeah. Mike, what are you tra- you, you said you were going to try to snap poor Leo out of it. What are you what are you going to do? Yeah, so I think that like you were saying, like James is actually like. I think John is the that's one that's the, yeah. like, hmm, yeah. this sure is a problem, and Mike is actually yeah. like trying to solve the other problem. Yeah, yeah, and James <laughs> is like actually realizing this is potentially shanty related, so that gets Mike's you know gears going. He's like, okay, I'll send the kid off because he can do that, and I think like for him to try and snap Leo out of it, he's just gonna try and get in his way, and like tackle him to the deck, maybe, and then try and, like, talk him out of it once he's done that. Uh, okay, roll me athletics. You're going for a four. Okay. I've got a zero in athletics, so let's see how this goes. Alright. Well, I got a five on the die, so... So you tackle Leo, (laughs) and you tackle him, which is fortunate because as you jump, so too does the mermaid, who is clearly somewhat ungainly on land, but she kind of rotates on her tail to try to slash at the spot where Leo had been only a moment before you knocked him out of the way. Uh, and the two of you go tumbling across the deck uh, in, a, in, a, in a welter of limbs. Um, <laughs> while this is happening, John, do you have, do you have any reaction? <laughs> do I have any reaction. Uh, I think his first reaction is to jump back just reflexively. 
And then he takes another swig from his flask. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. So at about this time, as 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 the two the two uh, tackle buddies are uh, are you know picking themselves up off the deck and kind of scrambling on their knees, maybe away from from the mermaid who is inching her way across the deck. Who emerges from down below? But James oh, no. Allen Evans holding yes. a comb in one hand. I was so scared you were going to say it was Jim. <laughs> and in the other hand, a mess of disarticulated fish bones that he managed to pull out of the garbage before it was going to be thrown overboard um, out of the garbage pail. You're up on deck. You've got your two objectives. What do you want to do, James? James like gets up there and then realizes like, oh boy, and then runs over to the mermaid and says, "Do you need your, do you, do you, do you need your hair combed?" <laughs> and this is like holding out the two objects, just absolutely terrified. <laughs> she hisses and pulls back, like like a vampire away from a crucifix. Just <laughs> John jumps he, up like, beside him and like holds his shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, he like varies. He like shoves the fish bones and the comb forward, like eh. Uh, she flops badly backwards. Um, keep going, Kate. Keep, keep going. Oh. <laughs> get off! Get off! Get off! Get off! Get off! Get off! <laughs> slowly inching forward. All right, and well done, everyone. You managed to allow this terrified child. <laughs> to chase the villainous mermaid yes. off, the, off of the deck. I love it. Okay, that's John's awesome. there for moral support. He's right behind him. <laughs> I think as soon as the mermaid like flops into the water, I think you see James just like look over the edge just like ever so slowly and go, I think it's over. Uh, I think Leo uh, in the tackle... I think he comes out of it because in the in the action of tackle, he he hit his head on the deck rather hard, and so mm, yeah, he's sense. picking himself up, and then all of us all of a sudden he's looking around, and and he's like, what the, how, how did all I, what, well um I just chased your great gram off with um fish bones and grooming implements. <laughs> <laughs> John uh, claps James on the back, you know, like a big, strong hand to the shoulder blade, almost like knocking him over, and then holds his flask to him and says, you deserve this. All right. (laughs) Immediately just takes (laughs) it and takes a swing. I think we need to mention here that we don't endorse... uh, (laughs) We do not endorse underage drinking on this show. (laughs) Um, I think in response to Leo's question, I think Mike's just going to say... I don't think I can rightly explain everything that just happened, but I'm uh, I'm definitely going to have to talk to my superiors when I get home. Cool. <laughs> Upon hearing James uh, say this, I, he, he looks over into the water a moment, and he, he just he visibly shudders, because he has no idea what just happened now that he has returned to himself. He he walks up to James, and he he just looks he looks at him, and he's, like, very sincerely, he's just like, thank you, boy. That was... <laughs> Oh, not pleasant. It was like, like being trapped in my own mind. I, I couldn't. Ugh. And he just he shudders and he he reaches out his hand for uh, for James to shake. James just kind of slowly reaches out. <laughs> he looks a little shell shocked. Oh, 
I'm Dave. I don't like. I hate to say this, sir, but I don't think I like your great grandmom. <laughs> and I think in in response, he he kind of cracks a small, very wan smile and says, "Well, boy, neither do I. Now that I had the pleasure of uh, meeting her uh, face to fins, as you might say." <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that was a good one. <laughs> that was good. So at this point, and you notice the sailors around you are starting to kind of come to, right? They're losing their, you know, oh, we're in the middle of a shanty recapitulation passivity. Um, and who mm-hmm. comes on deck uh, but Mr. Jim? Ooh. And he There's points at a dark cloud on the horizon. Says, gentlemen, best start reefing the, best start reefing the sails. Things are about to get ugly. And James immediately straightens up and goes, Aye, aye, sir. And he starts passing out directions. He runs off to start reefing the sails. All right. Leo's right. going to Leo's gonna join him, probably. I think Mike would take his cue to uh, get below deck. Yeah. This is not his forte. <laughs> John gulps nervously and then goes below deck. <laughs> yeah. So, the uh, it, it, boy, if you thought you had a bad day, wait until your, your, oh. your bad oh. night. Oh. Because in... Oh. in particularly bad times when you need all hands nobody's below deck right both watches are on deck nobody gets a lick of sleep tonight all night uh it's constant you need to to you know reef the sails furl the sails okay now the the wind has died a little bit so you need to to because there's this really unfortunate principle which is the ship kind of always needs to be going as fast as is safe for like maneuverability <laughs> purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly up and down the mass all night. But round about daybreak, the storm fades, leaving the water churned up. And all around you, here and there, are these bloated deep sea fish floating dead atop the waves as if they have been hauled up from the deeps by the power of the storm uh, and permitted to expand. And in in the dawn ray, the rosy-fingered dawn, you see that they're not the only thing that's been brought to the surface. Because up ahead, there's a mat of old boards and seaweed supporting what almost looks like a piece of white marble floating atop the waves. What? Okay. That's a bit unusual. <laughs> well, I've been around a lot. Never seen something like that before. Can I be, like, up up in the mast and, like, explain this to people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can be up in the, 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 the cross trees. You can have a, a spyglass and be like, and, yeah. and, and if, you, if, if that's the case, uh, what you can see is, first off, this is definitely a piece of white marble, which, you know, should not be floating on a, a bed of boards and, and sargassum weed, right? Like, that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Also, you're pretty sure it has markings on it? I, um, can we got some weird stuff up ahead? That's a big, there's a big statue on a bunch of boards. I don't understand it. Now, Leo, you are the mate on duty right now. Mr. Jim is below decks uh, with the rest of his watch team. It is up to you to decide what to do, though perhaps with, with input from the rest of the party. The Sacramento is coming up on this object, right? It's in the general direction you're heading. Whether the party wants to bring this piece of marble aboard. 
And to help you with that decision, I would say, look to your drives. Uh, oh, I'm very curious. This doesn't look immediately deadly. I would be hounding <laughs> you to bring this thing on board. Well, I mean, this isn't even connected to his own drive, but it is, like, not connected, but it is his own... Even if it wasn't about sea shanties or anything else, this is something that he has never seen uh, uh, at sea before, which curiosity is not strong for him, but he does have it. So I think he's going to turn to... Um, uh, Mike is on deck, right? Yes. Yeah, I think Mike would have come up by now because it, the, the storm's broken. So he would definitely be up on deck as this is all going down. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, he's there. He hasn't said anything yet, but he's there. Then Leo is going to pull from his own coat a, uh, uh, a spyglass and hand to him. And he says, I can't make it out, but it, it seems like there's something written on that flotsam out there. Could you maybe get a better look? And he hands it over to him. I, I, I can certainly try, but, um, I mean, I kind of want to see that thing up close, too, if we uh, try and get close and bring it up on deck. Uh, I've got to know what's on that thing. But he is going to try to look through the spyglass first and see if he can make anything of the markings. It is definitely writing. Uh, the angle is all wrong for you to be able to tell what it is. You can't even make out what alphabet it is. So then he's just going to say, yeah, we, uh, we definitely got to get that thing on deck if we're going to be able to read it. Well, you're going to be able to read it. <laughs> I mean, if it's something I can read, sure. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Leo turns to the in general hands and says, We haven't seen something like that before, boys. Let's get a closer look at it. Very carefully. So if you want to bring this aboard, what you're going to have to do, um, because it is it is a big chunk of stone. Okay. You're going to have to bring it aboard with the crane. And to set the crane up, right, to tie a line around this, you're going to need to send somebody out, uh, a small number of sailors out in a small boat uh, over next to it to, okay. to tie a rope around it. Okay, yeah. Uh, it sounds like we have a volunteer. A volunteer tribute. <laughs> I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say, if he, if he says this, or, or the, the sailors know that, oh, that means crane, which means going out there, I bet he, he turns to James, who is, like, I'm, like, bouncing on his feet, I'm sure, is like, me, me, me. Like a small yippy dog. <laughs> And he, he looks at him and he kind of he kind of kneels down or bends over to, to speak to him and he just says kind of, all right, boy, <laughs> you haven't been around that long, but hey, you got to take the deep dive sooner or later. You go out there, you listen to the others, you follow instructions and you be careful, huh? All right, I'm going to follow instructions. And he goes and hops on board the little boat. Vigor, with vigorous the rowing. all the leg work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You guys don't have to lift a finger. I the sailors are doing <laughs> no. The sailors are doing the work. He's just sending him out there because he's like, hey, he's got to. He's, uh, well, he's got to understand yeah. it sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did say I was basically the gopher kid. Yeah. So you got some sailors in a boat uh, with James. Uh, everybody else is is setting up the uh, the crane back on deck. James, you you get out there and mm, boy, this is definitely a piece of marble. If you spoke whatever <laughs> language this is. You no, because you spent time in the British Museum. I was about you to say, does this look, does this look like something I've ever seen before? So, because weird answers. hunks of marble are, are fairly common to the British Museum. <laughs> in the British they Museum, are. yes. <laughs> Two details jump out at you about this. First detail is you have been around enough Greek script to recognize that this is in Greek. You don't read Greek, uh, but okay. like, that's Greek. I don't read anything. <laughs> The second thing is, this is a missing piece 
from something in the British Museum, there's a long frieze. Like, it takes up a whole room, and it's beautiful, and it's marble, and it's got all these horses and people on it, and it's really pretty. And there's, there's pieces of it that are missing, and this thing fits right in one of those holes. This is a missing piece from that frieze. Oh, cool. It's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like going to hop on the wood and the, the stuff and like get over there and start tying it off and helping the boys. Okay. So you tie it off. It's all good. Everybody back on uh, back on the ship. Are you guys going to going to hop on the capstan and tramp it around? Other than James, raise your hand if you are going to hop on the capstan. Work isn't um, my thing. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think that Mike would actually help out because if the if the crew is kind of split, with some of the sailors who are on watch having to have gone on that small boat to go tie things up, yep. there's less hands on deck. So I think I think Mike would not be uh, adverse to to jumping in and helping. So yeah, he'll jump on the capstan. Okay, and I definitely saw Leo's hand. So we've got we've got a bunch of NPCs and two PCs on the capstan, and. You're starting to, to tramp it round, and James, you're getting back into the boat, and oh boy! And then there is a an explosive noise, James, from right behind you. Oh. And you whip around, and John, John, our fancy eccentric, you have the best <laughs> view of, of this yes. of anybody. Okay. A great slender tentacle <laughs> bursts up through the seaweed and comes crashing down and like grabs onto the piece of marble, ignores the boat completely, God be praised. <laughs> Those of you on the capstan can feel all of a sudden, this has gotten a lot heavier. Whatever's going on over there, it's pulling down. Uh -oh. It doesn't want you uh. to get the piece of marble, which raises a vital question for the two of you on the capstan, and I'd actually, uh, John, you can participate in this as well. Oh no. Do you want to try to outmuscle this thing, or do you want to cut the rope? Uh, I, I think we're gonna use that mechanical advantage and try to, to outmuscle this thing, yeah. Oi, oh, oh, there's something weird going on there. <laughs> John just shouts. <laughs> understatement of the century. Uh, I think, Mike, we might have to do opposing roles here because I don't think that uh, after seeing this enormous, like... Well, he didn't see it. John's the only one that saw it, I think. Which, oh. Right? Oh. John had the best of you, oh, right? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. You can't necessarily... Leo, you can't necessarily make out, like, 100% exactly what's going on, but, like, you definitely saw the slender tentacle come Rise up, up and you're like oh wow it's really heavy now and uh, it's it's pretty yeah. clear what's going on yeah okay um yeah i think we might have to do opposing roles because in a competition of you know a couple sailors and two two of us versus something like that i think he's more in favor of just cutting the rope and letting it go okay wait well, I, have I think a question, that though. i think that when john like exclaims like hey we've got something weird going on here and mike feels resistance he's gonna say we, we could use some help there, pretty boy. Yeah, um, just a sec. <laughs> I have a question. Sure. Is there anything on board that I can use uh, to, like, shoot a projectile? <laughs> <laughs> like a gun or a harpoon thingy or a bow? Like, I don't know, something I could use to shoot at the tentacle. 
There is probably a chest somewhere on this ship that has firearms in it. Probably. <laughs> not a guarantee. Also, not a guarantee that they've been maintained, right? It could be yeah. a couple of brown best muskets that somebody bought <laughs> fourth hand, shoved into a chest and was like, this is good enough. Like, the captain can enforce order in case of a mutiny with these. Uh, and then they have not been cleaned. They have not been like, and they could be completely sealed shut. Or, That's or <laughs> the captain could take obsessive interest in maintaining them. It is yeah. unclear. Okay, I think John doesn't know that and doesn't really care and is just trying to think of, oh, I want to startle it. Gun! And goes to try and get one. And I think she, uh, he shouts over to them, uh, Oi, just try to keep it there. I'll see if I can startle it. <laughs> Excuse me, what? Yeah, I think Leo hears this. He's like, that man is a few spars short of a ship. We're not holding this thing. He's prepping to, to to shout to the boat to cut the line unless No no don't cut the line we need that yeah. we want that John shouts. Yeah Mike's just gonna say I want that Yeah Mike's <laughs> just gonna say uh, yeah we we, sh we should at least try their uh Leo Mike go ahead and roll me athletics Did he just call me by my first name? No one calls me by my first name except Jim. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Oof. Yeah <laughs> Um, you said, uh, for me to roll in athletics, right? Yes. And you said that if I don't have athletics as a skill, can I still spend a tick mark or do I have to spend two? I'm trying to remember the rules from earlier. You can have no more tick marks beside a skill than you have points in it. If you have zero right. points in a skill, you cannot put any tick marks beside it. Even after the fact, right? Because even, even after, after the, fact, the fact, you still have to have one. Okay, cool. So I have to roll well. Okay. Well, Mike is going to try. Going to try to out-intimidate me? It was a cracked die. It ended up in the crease of the box, so I got to roll again. Well, that is a six. Oh! You are not able to overpower the squid, if that's what it is. But you are holding it to a standstill. I think James wants to do something. <laughs> James, what would you like to do? Is that, like, wooden, like, area still there? Uh, it's it's breaking apart, but yeah, I mean, you're fairly small, so for your purposes, sure. Uh, James is gonna pull a knife out of his boot, because uh -huh. I assume I would have one. Definitely. A good old briefing knife. And he is going to run over to the tentacle and say, Oi! Let go of that, you slimy wanker! And he's gonna try <laughs> to cut it and <laughs> make it let go. That's what I was trying to do, is to shoot it. Shoot the tentacle. The enormous tentacle. You're yes. cutting the tentacle, not the rope. Yes. Okay, roll me athletics to leap out of your boat and sink your knife into <laughs> the great rubbery tentacle. I'm good at that. <laughs> I love how this scared little boy is the hero of this story. <laughs> I rolled a seven. A seven? What? Yeah. A I have two in athletics, but I rolled a five. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so you leap from your boat and you time it with the rocking of the boat. So the rocking of the boat actually helps your leap and you <laughs> jam the knife into the creature. And then instead of sliding down it, hoping that you'll catch yourself down there or something, you are able to push off. You don't <laughs> land back in the boat. You're not a ninja. 
but (laughs) you are able to land with kind of half a splash and half a thud amid the seawater and seaweed and and board, breaking apart boards right next to your (laughs) dinghy. And you manage to do it without stabbing yourself, which is a further (laughs) miracle. He's just gonna call it, haul it, boys! (laughs) And the 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 tentacle like you can see it loosen and as it loosens oh man the crew on the capstan like they're oh man are their backs into it like somebody rolled a six and the <laughs> the, the chunk of marble slips through the tentacle's grasp like like a wet soap slipping from your hands and it oh. pops out and the tentacle splashes down because the tentacle is pulling so of course freed from what it's pulling on it splashes down and you manage to scramble aboard <laughs> the boat just in time and Leo You've got your knife, like, right next to the rope as all this is happening. What do you do? I'm guessing he's still seeing this, right? He's He witnessed oh, what, yeah, you what, see just, all this. what just happened. Yes. Yeah, um, he, I mean, with the, with the removal of the, of the horrible weight, yeah, I think he'll, he'll, like, his eyes go really huge, and he's just, he, he's just kind of under his breath to himself. That kid's got guts, I'll give him that. And she's the knife, steps back. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at this point, John uh, makes it up with the gun and is like, Oh, wait, where, where'd it go? <laughs> I, I was ready for it. John, go ahead and roll me 1d6. Just straight 1d6, it's not any sort of stab. Okay. <laughs> A three. <laughs> you look down, like freed from the like, nope, just gotta grab a thing and run and no time to think. You look down and you're like, there is no way this thing would shoot. Like, in fact, (laughs) I mean, this could be cleaned, but it's not even fully assembled. I think he just embarrassedly hopes no one notices and just lowers it back to his side. (laughs) (laughs) You all are able to bring the marble slab aboard. Do any of you read Greek? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Uh, hey, you read Greek? I don't think... Well, that might be enough out there that my character might not read it. Okay. But I tell you what, my character would remember that we have a lady on board who knows... <laughs> yeah, the philodendron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a philologist? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Philologist. <laughs> yeah, I... I would love to read it, but I can't think of any narrative reason why my character would all of a sudden know Greek. Uh, why, I can't why don't read. I uh, go and fetch Miss Ewing then? And he takes that as an excuse to uh, put the gun away. <laughs> go, get, <laughs> go get the smart lady that we need. <laughs> so you put the gun away. Oh, nobody noticed. Click, clack. Come on. Yeah. Okay, there it's gone. Mm, we're fine here. You go, uh, you know, okay, here's here's Miss Ewing's cabin. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, um, yes, I'm uh, I'm very busy right now. Oh, uh, miss, I think we have something you might be interested in. Do you happen to know Greek? She opens the uh, opens the hatch uh, to her cabin. Uh, you can see that she has some books spread out. She's clearly doing some work. And says, well, sure, I know Greek. Uh, have somebody find something Greek? Yeah, uh, this thing came out of the ocean and it's inscribed with Greek. Uh, that's 
a thing? Okay, uh, yeah, I, uh, sure. Um, um, I want to say Leon Macduff. I would say that. She would not say that because she would know that that is not what that means. Um, <laughs> uh, but lead, lead on. Show me. Show me the Greek. Yes. Yeah. Uh, John takes her on deck and gestures to this giant marble thing that they've hauled on board. Huh. Skiute. What? What was that? I mean, there's some helper words and a, a suffix, like just just a, just a piece of a suffix. But the only full word that's on there is skiute. What does that mean? Mm. What? It's uh, it's it's an obscure term. It's uh, it's really old. Um, it's a, it's a hammer with a golden head. Not sure why. I mean, we're off the eastern coast of South America. What's this? Like this this looks. Uh, and in fact, now that it's it's on deck, um, might. You also recognize um, this this piece as a missing piece of the Elgin marbles. The Elgin marbles are a, a famous piece in the British Museum. Uh, they are the art that decorated the the, the, the marble friezes that decorated uh, the Parthenon. Oh, I thought that's what that might be. Yeah. And were were brought back to England, or brought back, brought to England in the first place in the the early 1800s when Greece was under Ottoman control and the Greeks have been very grumpy about this uh, ever since uh, for for some reason <laughs> I cannot figure out they would rather <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> have one of their greatest artistic works in their own country but uh, but but yeah this this is a missing chunk from the Elgin marbles uh, so named for for Lord Elgin who brought them to to, to, to London. Can I say I have, that? I have seen these in real life, then. And they're oh, actually cool. in the British Museum. I have seen them. I've been Oh, that's there. really cool. <laughs> yes. Can, can I tell them that? Sure. Because I would know. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Mister Smithsonian man. <laughs> yeah. You know what this is, don't you? This is a piece of the uh, the Elgin marbles? Yeah. Did you I know? Yeah, actually, I uh, th that's what I was starting to think. Yeah, yeah, they're in the British Museum. Yeah, yeah, I um, I've I've done a couple stints over there on um, you know, business. Oh, me too. John gives James a little pat on the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks so happy that he knew a thing. Leo's looking between the two of them. He's like, "What kind of fish spittle are you two spouting now?" Are there no questions about how I know any of this? <laughs> I, I think you get no, a look John from Mike. Just accepts like, it. <laughs> I think you get a look from Mike. He's not going to say anything in the moment because there's a lot of people on deck right now and he's not in the business of outing the people that he works with. But he'll probably ask you about it later. Okay. But he is going to kind of whisper to you kind of under his breath. He's just going to say, um, uh, she said the word skewed, right? Oi, yeah, she did. Go see what, you know, what the, what the, the song says about that. Uh, he starts reciting the song from memory. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep him busy. Um, oh, no, 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 I, I got it. Uh, we'll crack it on on a big ski ute. Old Bully Jim is a bloody big brute. Leo just slowly head turns to below deck because he's like... <laughs> he can't read, but he has a very good memory. Yeah. Yeah, Leo's just looking at the uh, below deck, uh, the, uh, the ladder way because, well, historically, there's the scoot and... Ooh. So he's just watching it. <laughs> All right, fast forward. 
Okay. <laughs> so fast forward to the two of you who are on watch right now go below and Mr. Jim's watch comes up and begins to work. Mm. Um, the two of you who are passengers, do you remain up on deck? What time of day is it? Is it just middle of the day? Uh, let's say it is the dog watch, uh, which means that it is getting it is around sunset. I mean, I think Mike would enjoy seeing sunsets while he's on the open sea, so he probably would be up and walking about. I mean, he probably vacillates between being above and below decks. I, I would say now is a good time for him to be above decks. In fact, let me let me walk that back. It is still about sunset, but it is not about sunset in the dog watch. We are in the southern hemisphere during Antarctic winter. It is around sunset at like 3, 4 p.m. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, Mike would be up there to see it. Yeah, let's let's say 2, 3 p.m., thereabouts. Um, but okay, okay. So, so Mike is up on deck enjoying the biting cold Antarctic sunset. <laughs> uh, what, if, uh, what if John? Is John on deck? Uh, well, this is after they had the... Is this immediately after they had the rough night where, like, no one slept at all? Uh, let's say it's been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's been a few hours. Uh, all right, now I gotta do the mental math. Well, it's, like, pretty soon after that. Like, yeah, it's, it's be soon after. Tired. Soon I after. think he intends to stay out there, you know, and, like, keep an eye on things because weird things have been happening. And then he finds kind of like a comfy spot somewhere and nods off. <laughs> so he's on deck somewhere, just asleep. <laughs> uh, Leo, Leo, you had expressed some concern about Mr. Jim. You are off watch. You do not have to be on deck um, per the terms of, of the, the contract you signed. Are you below deck getting some sleep or are you on deck? If it is possible to be on deck while being hopefully not as noticeable, if that's possible. It is entirely noticeable. There is nowhere to hide. There is nowhere to hide. Got it. Nope. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, because it's not unusual for, you know, it might not be the most, you know, normally I would be sleeping, but he's, uh, yeah, he's recalling the verse and despite... I mean, hey, he's he's been around a while. He knows how to stave off sleep when need be, I think. Yeah, I think he's going to utilize this to silently observe at the moment. He has not he has not made any sort of confrontation towards Jim. He's just recalling very clearly the <laughs> next part of the the next part of the song. <laughs> the next part of the song. <laughs> uh, which for those of you listening at home is uh We've got Santander Jim is a mate from hell with fists yes. of iron and feet as well. And oh, a bully ship with a bully crew, but the mate is a bastard through and through. Yes. So he's just watching to make sure that hopefully he doesn't start beating the crew half to death or something. Mate. It could be Leo. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. No, That's true. Could be me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So we've got three on deck. Uh, James, have you gone below to get some shut-eye, or are you also on deck? Uh, James is probably too wired to sleep, but also doesn't want to be up top where it's cold. I believe James <laughs> has referenced his aversion to the cold. Yeah. So James is below, probably harassing the chef again, telling him the story <laughs> about how he 
turned he's embellishing a bit but he's basically like telling the story about how he turned this this big sea monster into calamari so oh i single-handedly you know slayed this foul beast while yeah <laughs> there's probably more blood and gore and yeah. and rough waves than I was stuck actually him right there through. in the eye it was in the eye exactly, I swear. Yeah. something like that I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to like get in the way. I'm just like standing nearby, telling the story, just <laughs> harassing the chef. Uh, the the one-legged cook. His name is Nieno, by the way. Uh, the uh, the the one-legged cook does not remotely believe you, right? Like nobody <laughs> else saw this. Nobody has yeah. any recollection of any giant thing. No, get out, child. Get out of my galley. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's just. He is persisting, though. He's just like, he's going to tell this story whether this guy believes him or not. He's just trying to get through it. I see where Oliver gets it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are about partway through this watch, and the sky is darkening, right? The sun has set. The the, the sky is is, uh, the color of red wine. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a second. What's the saying? Uh, red, red sky, sky in the morning, morning sailors, sailors warning, pink warning. at night, sailors Red delight. sky at night, sailors delight. So this is nighttime. Yes. Yep. Okay. It's, it's, it should okay. It should be fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> Sorry. And sure. the wind is freshening, suggesting that a gale is coming. And boy, they spring up out of nowhere down here off Cape Horn. Oh, yeah. And, and Mr. Jim, he gives the order for his watch to begin shortening sail, which is hard to do because the the the, the sails are encased with ice. They are stiff oh. as iron right now. Uh, so it is hard work to shorten sail. But he gives the order. You know, people are, 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 people are doing it because you don't have, have much choice. It's, you know, it's jump to or drown. And those of you who are on deck, go ahead and roll me, well, eh, not John. Say, I'm asleep on deck, so does that count? <laughs> the other two of you, go ahead and roll me Sense Trouble. Okay. Oh, I actually have a good one of those. <laughs> I have a, I have an okay one. Um, you know what? Just because I haven't done it yet, I think I'm going to mark my tick and Sense Trouble, because I think okay. this is important. I rolled, a, I rolled a five on the die with my one in Sense Trouble, which makes six. So both of you sense the trouble, and what you (laughs) notice is that Mr. Jim's hands are clenched into fists, and they're beginning to turn gray with little flecks of rust red. Okay. Great. Yeah, so I think um, all this time Leo has just been watching from uh, from under like a big muffler. I like to think he's got a little tin, a little tin cup with whatever passes for ship's coffee. It's like black tar with grounds in it. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sees this and he very slowly, uh, hoping not to make him jump and strike out at anybody, he- he's going to attempt to get closer in the event that he might have to possibly physically restrain his superior officer. <laughs> Roll me stealth. Ah. Now would be a very good time Ooh. to have me up there. Yeah. 
Not that I could physically restrain. Well, actually, I'm very good at athletics. <laughs> just you small. did just single-handedly slay a squid monster. Well, she I don't think I slayed. Slay well, yeah. You According know, to her uh, legend, you know. Oh boy, yeah, this yeah, yeah. Uh, his, I should say. I don't believe I have um any points in that, so. Uh -oh. So you'll just have to hope. Just you roll, roll it, well. my guy. I did no, I did roll it, and I think I might have to use a tick mark because that's a three on the die. Well, if you don't if have, you don't points, have anything yeah. in it, you can't use a tick mark. Oh right, therefore I can't. Uh, that's a three on the die. So you're trying to sneak up on Mr. Jim just in case you have to restrain him. And as you're sneaking up, he's standing there on the quarter deck near the wheel, and he turns to you, he, and he looks you dead in the eye, and then takes a big sideways step towards the wheel, and he puts his, by now, fully gray with flecks of rust hand on the sailor taking his trick at the wheel, and shoves him aside, and grasps the ship's wheel with his other hand. Uh, uh oh. No. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that's a problem. That's 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 confirmation that something is very wrong here. So, I mean, I think, I mean, Leo's Leo's gonna bolt right toward him, try to try to take the wheel from him. I think. Okay. But Mike is aware of this too, right? Because he also got a success. Oh yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike I was actually gonna this. say. Yeah, Mike sees all this. I think, like, I, I was going to say while this was going on, when Mike first sensed the danger before Leo started sneaking towards him, I think he probably would have spotted um, John sleeping on the deck, and he probably, <laughs> his first thought would have been, let's get everybody awake and aware of what's going on. So I think maybe while that was happening, he probably would have been trying to wake John up. Uh, yeah, you are yeah. you are nonetheless aware of what is happening right now on the quarterdeck with the shoving and, and the so forth. And John, you are awake in time, both of you in time, to witness Leo attempt to wrest control of the ship's wheel away from Mr. Jim. Leo, Mr. Jim puts one of his hands, the hand that is not on the wheel, puts his hand on your chest and shoves you. And you don't even get a roll, right? Ooh. This man, this is... Okay, Mr. Jim, he's a burly Fijian man, like, he, but you you are also a mate, right? Like, you do hard labor. manual yes. labor for a living, and nonetheless, like, this is not a contest of peers, this is not how strong Jim should be, and he just shoves you aside and you go sprawling on the deck without any, any chance, any chance of overpowering him. Uh, and he, he growls at you, Next time, I'll stave your head in. Ooh. Okay. Then John looks over at Mike with wide eyes. Says, oh, what What do you suggest we do here? I'm not quite sure. James, you overhear this, right? You hear somebody fall, land hard on the deck uh, over that away. And you hear what sure sounds like Mr. Jim, and you can't make out what he said, but he growled something ominously. Yeah, I think uh, James just like stares up at the deck above and is like, oh, I'll be right back and runs away from the cook, who I'm sure sighs in relief. <laughs> and uh, James is going to run up the stairs, up the ladder and uh, see what's going on. All right. So all four of you are on deck. All four of you see what is going on. What do you do? Oh, oh and and just to, to, to make the implicit explicit, the wind is continuing to pick up. 
the sailors have shortened sail, but there will have to be continued adjustments made, and maybe, in fact, not maybe, definitely new courses that the, the, the Continental will have to come to. Yep. And of course, Mr. Jim is on the ship's wheel, and if the ship, with perhaps too much sail, sails on the wrong heading relative to the wind near Cape Horn, you all get to look forward to finding out which kills you faster, the hypothermia or the drowning, when the ship either capsizes or is torn to pieces. Yeah, and because right now with, with um, the with the sea shanty kind of, uh, what was the word? Re, uh, Recapitulating? With the sea shanty recapitulating itself right now, you said that everyone goes docile pretty much instead of the people being affected directly by it, right? Yes. Right. So, like, Mr. Jim isn't docile, but all the other sailors probably aren't going to be able to, like, follow instructions right now, so... They will follow your instructions as best they are able if you're just like, hey, do the thing. They're so, just not going to mm-hmm. do it on their own, I think. Correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think what Mike first jumps to is uh, he saw this happen, he wakes up, John and he just says, um, "It's uh, it's it's popping off. We gotta we gotta figure out what he what he's up to." Um, and I think he's actually gonna try to like not walk directly up to Mister Jim, but I think he's gonna just kind of play the fool and just kind of walk up and he's just gonna say, um, "So, um, what's going on, Mister Jim? Is uh, everything all right?" Do you know the name Edward Augustus Bond? And, and you, Mike, of all people in the party, do in fact know that name because Sir Edward Augustus Bond is the principal librarian, or director, if you prefer, of the British Museum. Hmm. Oh, I so might know that name too. I would know that name, right? Yes, as an agent of the Smithsonian, okay. you would know that. And, and James, if yes. you know that name as well, by all means. I okay. think I would know that name. Yeah, this I, is probably someone I spent a lot of time avoiding. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> Sneaking around. I think um, Mike is just going to respond to that and just say, I, I've heard the name before. Uh, doesn't he work at uh, some British museum? Oh, yeah. He's good at looking for people, too. <laughs> <laughs> Very observant. Mis- Mr. Jim's brow kind of furrows, and he, he cocks his head like a dog listening to, to a faraway sound. He says... Sir Edward wants me to tell you that the shanty magic sustains the British Empire and that the British Museum sustains the shanty magic and that he will not let a and he pauses, a, an inferior institution <laughs> seize it. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Oh, and and you can see. Um, I mean, we can't let the, you, the Yankees have everything. You, you can see. You, know? you can see Mike's brows climbing his face as he says that, <laughs> and he just says, "Oh, and uh, an inferior institution." Uh, did did I hear that right? Well, I mean, I don't think you can die at this point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I would. Inferior, I would. Don't you think? I would say that the current powers that be in the world show uh, show something different than that, but uh, you know, it's each their own. I mean, it's a cute little museum you've got there. We've been around a hundred years longer, so I think we got a bit of time on you. Yeah, just a little bit. We yeah, got better who's, stuff too. Who's uh, <laughs> who's? Hold on a second. <laughs> just turned <laughs> Andrew. Like the player's try, Andrew trying to. Uh, he's just gonna say, and uh, who's the one that had to run from not one but two wars with us? Oh no, that's a no. Now that's a low I mean, blow, sir. You know it. <laughs> 
That was also a hundred years ago. Fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. You can diss my dad all you want. And, and at this point, Mike's trying to ignore it and focus back on Mr. Jim. And he just says, so, um, Mr. Bond said that, that, uh, the, the sea shanties belong to the British Empire. And the British Museum. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he kind of shakes his head as if clearing, clearing cobwebs and then kind of schlumps back on it. Of course, I'm making a gesture, which everyone in podcast land can see. Um, <laughs> he he kind of resituates himself, both hands on the wheel, nice firm stance. You know, he's, he's, he's ready to go. And his hands are still gray, right? And irony. Oh, very much so. Okay. Uh, Leo kind of hates to do this. That, like after that, after that hit, he realizes they need they need more manpower than even the four of them together could pull off. I think he's gonna just while well, this has been going on, uh, and then immediately after his small interjection into the conversation, he's moved away and he's been going around to the docile and dreamy-looking sailors, and he's explaining very simply on my signal, we gotta get him off the wheel, okay? And he, he's, he's finding every crew member he can that's, like, even coherent to, to, to tell him this. Okay. I think... Um, <laughs> are you willing to risk their lives? Yeah, I think we need them taking care of the ship. <laughs> yeah, I think we need them taking <laughs> yeah. care of the ship, too. I mean, not that... I'm sorry. I didn't mean, like, everyone who is working on necessary... Like, how many, how many sailors would I have left? There's not many left who are... I think what Tristan's getting at is you would know that... This guy's dangerous, and they he may not be able to defend too. themselves. Yeah, very well. yeah I know yeah. that. I know. I'm just even the four of us together. I'm not sure we'll be strong enough to. Maybe there's another I way don't to know. do James this. James is pretty handy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll I'll back it off. I'll back it off. I, we I can't let James die because we're, we're not to... saying we're not saying don't do what you. You can have do, that plan, sure, but let's yeah. like maybe hold off for a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, okay, so he's, but he's, he's done, like, he's told them this, but he hasn't, you know, made any sort of sign to, you know, now we go or anything. No, he's still watching and seeing what might happen. Gotcha. So, so you are, you are passing the word so that if it comes to it, you can be like, all right, everybody rush it. And if you get your heads stove in, tough titties. Can I, can I say (laughs) tough titties on Thornvale? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, let's go with it. That's fine. (laughs) <laughs> I will veto Susanna if she says no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to um, think of what think, else Mike would do. <laughs> I think James is like, oh, Mr. Jim, where you going, sir? We're going to keep on exactly our same course. No deviation. Which is going where, from my perspective? So it's more or less west-southwest. The problem is the wind will likely shift when this, uh, like, he's not heading you towards land or anything. The problem will be that the wind will shift when the storm arrives and then we'll be on the wrong course and it will be very bad. Um, sir, do you think maybe we could tack a little bit? No, no, I don't think so. Why? You see, I think it's, it's just that, just that I'm a bastard. Just like Eagle Um I think that Mike, because he was the one that he seems to be a little bit more angry at too right now with this kind of distance connection from the British Museum. Um 
I think he's actually gonna like he's been trying to distract him by talking to him at first. I think now he's gonna try and take the tack of just like appealing to even though he's a bastard per the song. Um, I think he's gonna try to appeal to his sense of survival. Maybe kind of use his kind if it comes up, you know, to try and attempt to talk him down from this stance if we're gonna take you know whatever course we're on now. I think he's gonna try to. Talk him down, if possible, maybe? Mr. Jim, or maybe it might be more accurate to call him Santander Jim at this point. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Santander Jim just looks at you and smiles. And he's he's got these, like, little teeth. Ooh. And he's just, he smiles at you. And he reaches out one finger towards the center of your chest. Do you stand strong? Oh no! Like I don't think Mike would have approached him. Oh, that okay. Close. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's just—he's gonna smile and show off his little teeth, and he's gonna hold out one finger, and he's gonna go like, ah, ah, ah. I do want to do something. So <laughs> <laughs> while he's distracted <laughs> talking to Mike, I think John is gonna be like, okay, this is my chance, and he's gonna pick up like a plank or a board or something and walk up behind Jim and try to smack him on the back of the head with a plank. <laughs> okay. Roll me athletics. Okay. Ooh. That's a four. Okay, so you are fast enough such that after you, and, and we'll say it's a, it's um it's a, a hand spike. You take a hand spike, they make good clubs. Oh, okay. You take yeah. a hand spike and you hit Mr. Jim with it over the back of the head so hard that the hand spike splinters. Mr. Jim whips around, (laughs) completely unaffected, grabbing towards you. But his other hand is on the wheel and you are fast enough that you manage to get back and he like just barely like kind of catches at your shirt, but he doesn't get you and you get away. Oh, I watched the clothes. I think you see, like, James just frowns and says, Why oh, that ain't fair. The song says he's supposed to have feet and hands are behind, not a head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, bastard, hard-headed, kind of goes together. So, you guys keep keep referencing the shanty. Is there anything in the shanty that you think might be relevant in this circumstance? God, I don't know. That's what I've been thinking about that for the last couple yeah. of minutes. The only thing I can think of is the next one, the next one is round the horn and up to the line. So if we could get around the horn and up to the line, whatever that means, absurd. It's like, what is what would up to the line mean? Well, the last or line though says, "Where are the bullies bully for crew? to make her shine?" Well, a bully ship with a bully crew, but the mate's a bastard through and through. Round the horn and up the line, what bullies for to make her shine? I, I think Jim, or I think James is like, I'm. Well, the last line says something about making her shine, so maybe we could get to polishing some stuff, and that would appease his bastardiness. I, I don't think it's it's quite. Quite that literal. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about the fish bones was pretty literal. I, mean, I think James the, is gonna. The, James has no other idea what to do. He's clearly only, not strong enough to do anything. He's gonna run downstairs and start getting some some brass polishing I stuff. Mean, wh- and while we're we were all still talking about while James was still on deck too, I think Mike would have also said. I mean, the only other thing that happens after Santander Jim is something about cracking it on on the big skiute, which I don't know what that is. So. Woman said something about a hammer. Skeet, that's the, yeah, the hammer. Barbara Ewing said that a skeet was a hammer with a golden head. 
which mm. I very much doubt we have. Well, James gets some uh, brass polishing stuff and starts um, polishing the, the ship's bell. <laughs> <laughs> Is it working yet? Has he stopped being a bastard? No. No, it's... it's... He, he, uh, he spits on the brass and, and starts polishing more. Leo, kind of under his breath to the others, has explained what he's been doing, but he hasn't made a signal yet because he is also not a very cruel person and he really doesn't want to have to send these completely, possibly unaware people to very probably die. die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if he whispers this to Mike, you know, I think Mike tries to make sure he's out of earshot of Santander Jim now and he just says, um, I, uh, I don't know if that's going to work there friend, I think uh, it would be better to try and convince them to make course corrections for the wind while Santander Jim just keeps his course. I think we need to get Jim on the on the marble. Maybe that, I mean, we crack it him on the marble? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the scholar here. How's that supposed to work now? Uh, I'm I not a scholar don't... either. My polishing ain't working. But the bell looks fabulous, for the record. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> it looks amazing. <laughs> well, that woman, that woman says something like, uh, 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 a, ha- a hammer with a gold head, which we don't have, as far as I know. No, I don't think so. I think I'd know about it if we'd heard something like that on board. I suppose we could ask the captain, but it seems a little unlikely. I, for one, am not going to be steered to my own death by that idiot. Anyone got any gold stuff we can, like, tie to the end of a stick? Does does anybody have any gold stuff that could be tied at the end of a stick? I don't have any gold stick stuff. Hey, you're a fancy lad. You got any gold stuff? I have a, a pocket watch, maybe. Can you tie it? Do you mind if we tie it to the end of a stick? Well, it's a bit expensive. You know, it's probably going to break, and then I'm going to have to get a new one. Well, you know what else is going to break? All of us, if we don't get this bastard off of this. Ah. Uh... All right, all right, all right. Leo, it looked like you wanted to say something. Uh, yeah, I just, he might have the watch, which makes sense, but I was going to say that uh, in the uh, in the look for this character, I did include a single golden hoop earring in his left ear. <laughs> all right. Very uh, piratey. Yeah, well, <laughs> very piratey. So are oh, we on tie- the pocket watch, you see an inscription on the back, like his initials, and it is... Uh, W-J-W-J. <laughs> what James would James? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking John. exactly the same thing, yeah. What John would John? What, yeah. what John? Yeah, what John would John? What John would John? <laughs> How much John would a wood John John of wood John John? John. John. <laughs> I was almost about to say the exact same thing. That's funny. Uh, uh. So... I mean, Mike's not intimately involved with this tying a watch to a, a hand spike or anything right now. So, I mean, is that what you guys are going to go through with? Anyone want to hit him with it? I don't have a better idea. <laughs> I suppose... I'll hit him again, I guess. If, I guess it's my watch. There was, a bit the about, there was a bit about cracking ribs we ain't done yet in the song to so maybe hit him in the middle. I don't want to hurt him, though. I'll try, I guess. <laughs> Good luck! And he takes a couple steps back. John tries to hit him in the ribs with this watch spike that they've created. I love how ridiculous this wow. is. With a so gold ridiculous. watch on the end of a stick. Alright, so you swat Santander Jim in the ribs with the gold watch. 
Uh, you, in fact, <laughs> uh, you don't need to roll athletics for this uh, because you, oh. you, you swat him. He, he kind of winces and he puts his hand up to his ribs and says, that was very painful. It's a good thing that's just a teeny tiny pocket watch, not like a, a bar of gold or something. Oi, kid, you were right. Oi. Hey, I'm gonna go find the captain and see if he's got any bars of gold laying around. Sorry about your watch. Or maybe something something heavy that's plated with gold. Plated with gold, anything heavy. You know, he calls after him. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna run down and try to find the captain. Hi, <laughs> captain. Uh, so Captain McPherson is uh, is in his cabin and he, he's very confused when you burst in, but, but he is pliable. He's under the influence of the shanty and says, Oi, Captain, I'm real sorry to bother you. No, all everything I have is silver-plated. I'm not going to attempt a Scottish accent. That's fine. <laughs> totally. Everything fine. I have is silver-plated, and and we're not we're not carrying any gold. We don't have any gold in the cargo. All we've got is is household <gasps> goods. Never and, mind. Um, and I'll Ms. be right Ewing's back. Books. And he's gonna run over to Miss Ewing's place because he just realized he, he mentioned lead before, but you know what? Also, is heavier than than books is gold. <laughs> so knock on the door. Miss Ewing! Uh, I am in the middle of some very important work, but fine. <laughs> yeah, opens. sorry about that. He pushes the door open. Is is there something Greek again? I'm real sorry, but I need whatever bars of gold you might got. I'll promise I'll give them right back. She she kind of frowns. Well, as long as you promise you'll give them right back. Of course, yes. Of course, <laughs> ma'am. Yes, of wow. course. <laughs> uh. And she leads you down into the hold and cracks the seal on the case. And the case is full of bars of gold, which are stamped with some sort of seal you don't recognize. And alas, you are illiterate, though you recognize that it is, the, the, the writing is in English. There are words. There are words. These are certainly words. <laughs> These are certain words. <laughs> and she, she picks up an, an ingot and they're in proper ingots and passes it to you. Oh, it's a good thing I'm a good boy. And he grabs it and goes, okay. And starts like, just like, hold, just holds this thing like close to his chest so it doesn't fall over. And then runs back up the steps and says, I got a bar of gold. So as you are leaving the hold, Ms. Ewing uh, closes the chest, sits upon it, and pulls out a revolver. Whoa. And now she's just sitting on the chest holding a revolver. I promise I'll give it back. I got a bar ago. <laughs> I got a bar ago. <laughs> yeah, I bring it over. I bring it over to uh, John and say, hey, tie this to a stick. I don't think I'm strong enough for this. Maybe we should ask one of the others. Oi, um, Mr. Leo, we need someone with some muscles. I don't have those. Yeah, he, he turns and he's... <laughs> no, not really. You don't have a watch either. Sorry about that. Yeah, he, he turns and sees... Uh, sees James holding this very large piece of gold that apparently appeared from nowhere because he wasn't present for that whole conversation. And he's just like, Hells, bells, boy, where'd you get that? Um, I'm not certain I'm supposed to tell you because it's a little bit of a secret and I think somebody might shoot me. Um, but here, could you tie this to a stick, please, and make a hammer out of it and swing it at poor Mr. Jim's ribs, please? Oh, give it here, give it here. And he, he hands up the he'll, he'll grab hold of it and yeah, he'll find like a, uh, a spare, like a spare piece of board or planking or something and... Whatever that thing you said earlier was. Hand spike. Yes, the hand spike. Yeah, hand, hand spike. spike. Yeah. And of course, you know, he, he ties it up. Yeah, he's hefting it. He's watching 
Jim trying to make sure that, you know, he doesn't want to run straight at him with this because then it could be horrible. So he's trying to wait for a moment when he's not looking. <laughs> so you go after Mr. Jim, you swing it at his ribs, and once again, no roll required. You hit him in the ribs and you hear a snap. And he just folds in half and falls down. And he so sorry, Mr. hits Jim. the deck very heavily. And you notice his hands aren't gray anymore. There's no more uh, rust on them either. Okay, yeah, uh, he steps up to the wheel to whew, possibly correct course. And at first he, he looked down at him, spread eagled on the, on the deck, and he says, Sorry, friend, but you weren't in your right mind. We'll fix you up soon enough. And then he turns to the other, uh, he turns to the in-general crew, and he's like, Up into the mast, Salia, we gotta make some fixes here! And he's, he's got hold of the wheel, and he's, <laughs> um, he's expecting the crew to do as they've been trained to do. Uh, and the, the crew jumps too, and everybody resumes reefing the sails, and you're able to bring her on to a, a, a more, a safer course. Someone uh, drags Mr. Jim uh, below to, to his, his first mate's cabin. I probably would have helped with that. I feel really bad about this. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just have something that I need to do with the gold bar and James at some point, but I think it would happen after we help Mr. Jim to his cabin. All right. So you help Mr. Jim to his cabin. It seems as though disaster has been averted. The ship is not going to tear herself apart. Ugh. I'm so sorry about this, Mr. Jim. I feel real bad about it. Um, where'd that gold bar go? And uh, some of you recognize the seal on the gold bar as being the seal of the, con the, the mercifully now defunct Confederate States of America. Oh! Whoa! Whoa. Oh! <laughs> okay. I think I... We found Confederate gold. gold. Confederate <laughs> okay. gold. Mike heard James as he came up with the gold bar say that he got it from somewhere but might not be able to say and somebody might shoot him. So he knew he knows that we have to deal with that now. So he sees this bar of gold and sees that it's very clearly Confederate gold. It's 1880 and he's in like his, you know, 30s or so. So like he was alive for the yeah, tail remembers. end of the he Civil War. Like the he, Civil yeah. War. yeah, he remembers the Civil War. So he um, he looks at uh, James and he just says, all right, we need to, where'd you get that gold and why'd you say someone was going to shoot you? Because somebody has a gun and I'm really not sure I should tell you, sir. I'm sorry. I mean, I think I can put two and two together eventually, but I mean, we got to, you said you had to give it back, right? Yes, sir. Do you, you want help? No, sir. <laughs> Maybe, sir. Sure. And he's going to start walking with the bar of gold down back. Well, I think Mr. I think uh, Leo's up essentially captaining the ship right now, right? Yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, are, yeah, the are they going to are they going to yeah. let him know of this possible horrible <laughs> danger on? I wasn't planning. I think I think he's in charge of keeping the ship uh, sailing. Nope. Yeah, I think we wouldn't want to bother him. Okay, I was just wondering if you would tell we're him. We're in the we're about to hit a storm, so no, I'm yeah. just gonna go down there. Yeah. All right, so so three of you go down into the cargo hold, uh, where Barbara Ewing is standing now. In one hand, she has a revolver. Uh, in the other hand, she has a badge. Whoa. Um What the? Oh, I oh. miss. I'm not entirely sure why I let you borrow that, uh, but I that was very bar, persuasive. 
<laughs> Vet ingot uh, is the property of the United States Treasury, and as a Treasury agent, it is my responsibility to get it safely to the Mint in San Francisco. Uh, oh, so if you wouldn't mind putting it you can, back you in the chest. Definitely. I don't want it. It's too heavy for me. <laughs> and, and he kind of like looks over at uh, um, Mike. He's like, yeah. is everything okay? I don't yeah. understand how any of this works. I'm not from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, you know, sees you handing it back to her, and he just says, um, "It's uh, it, it's it's all right, Miss. I um, I don't mind saying this. Uh, I'm actually a, a government agent too, and uh, we we needed it for something important, but uh, we will certainly give it back for you to to complete your job. So." And uh, you guys do the thing that federal employees do where you do the little strut dance of like, oh, do you know it determining your your respective like positions, um, which yeah. in fact succeeds yep. in determining she is the real deal, right? Ooh, she, yeah. yeah, this this is not some like weird golden circle thing. Oh, like, man. Yeah. This is the yeah. real deal. <laughs> Uh, she lets you in uh, on the little secret uh, that this is a recently rediscovered Confederate horde that once recaptured, that not recaptured, once rediscovered, uh, was in fact found uh, and, and returned to the Treasury. And the Treasury has opted to ship it to the Mint in San Francisco. Uh, and they're sending it by ship because it's cheaper than sending it by rail and you don't have to worry about train robberies. Uh, <laughs> just pirates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's not the Golden Age of Piracy. I know, it's not the Golden though, Age of right? Piracy. Yeah. But I am also a philologist. I, I I don't want to give you the wrong impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we figured that out, you know, because yeah. you knew all the Greek and such. <laughs> and it would be a real strange coincidence if you didn't know the Greek and you were just a, an agent or whatever. So that concludes our adventure of Shanty Hunters. Thank you so much for playing. Oh, oh so my gosh. That was so much so fun. Yeah, that was great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I haven't uh, had this much like sheer fun playing one of these games since we played uh, Honey Honey Heist. Oh, honey Heist yeah. was awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was also equally ridiculous. I still love the fact that we managed yes. to go through the whole thing, and for once, I don't think any of us actually mentioned what our characters look like as far as like appearance. I don't think it was uh, people oh, could imagine it. Eh. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I know. It's okay. Uh, I love that you guys let a fifteen-year-old boy do most of the heavy lifting. <laughs> Yeah, this was so much fun. Yeah. I had a blast. Yeah. I had an Thank you. Blast. I'm glad. I, I was, boy, I was real concerned uh, when we, we got to the end. It's like, they're not picking up on the skewt. They're not picking up on the skewt. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I've actually got a thing on that that I can bring up in the debrief because I think that'd be the right place for it. But yeah. uh, I've got a really cool idea that I had. I, I have had, and, and and tell you what, we'll we'll save it for the debrief because this sounds like good debrief yeah. material. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, guys, thank you so much for playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank thank you, you for coming on. We will go ahead and end this now because this is very long. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> this has been an absolute blast. And we are going to do an episode. Um, it'll probably actually be next week. I think I'm just going to move the our usual Planes of Fate episode to be the week after just so that we can get this out during the same month uh, mm, when this mm -hmm. is supposed yeah. to be kickstarted. Yeah. So thank uh, you. Yes. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, so we will we will have the debrief next week. And uh, that is going to be... Uh, lots of fun. We will do that. Uh, with that, I will go ahead and say goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We will have a link to the Kickstarter in the description of this episode in the show notes. 
Uh, so if you want to go check it out, it'll be the first line of the, uh, the description. So thank you for joining us. And uh, we will see you at the debrief. Bye. 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 Bye, everyone. Goodbye. In 18 years, the battleship Maine will explode in the harbor of Havana, Cuba, triggering the Spanish-American War and unexpectedly launching the United States, heretofore a regional power at best, into the position of global empire. Whether this is your doing, from seizing the shanty magic from the British Museum and transferring it to the Smithsonian, shall be left ambiguous. Thank you.